My name is Matt Brown. It's a madhouse! A madhouse! Hallelujah! Let's start the show. Excuse me, excuse me. For all of us up here, it's a huge honor to put this uniform on every day and come out here and play. And every member of this organization, past and present, has been calling this place home for 85 years. A lot of tradition, a lot of history, and a lot of memories. Now the great thing about memories is you're able to pass it along from generation to generation. And although things are gonna change next year, we're gonna move across the street, there are a few things with the New York Yankees that never change. That's pride, it's tradition, and most of all, we have the greatest fans in the world. And we are we're relying on you to take the memories from this stadium, add them to the new memories that come at the new Yankee Stadium, and continue to pass them on from generation to generation. So on behalf of the entire organization, we just want to take this moment to salute you, the greatest fans in the world. Conversations podcast. It is Monday, December 14th, and I hope you are absolutely killing it in your life today, whenever and wherever you're listening to this podcast. And having said all of that, I am your host, Matt Brown, here on the Productive Conversations podcast. Oh man, starting the show with Derek Jeter's farewell address to the Yankee fans on the very last day of the original Yankee Stadium on September 21st, 2008. Oh man. Oh, I remember that day very well as a diehard New York Yankees fan. I was 13 years old watching that very important game, the final game at Yankee Stadium. And I remember watching that religiously in the eighth grade. It was a tough year because it was going to be the first time in my life that the Yankees weren't going to be in the playoffs. But we had to appreciate this game. I miss old Yankee Stadium dearly. It was my absolute favorite place other than my grandparents' house and the house I grew up in. It is my favorite place to go as a child. Literally, I went to games there from eight years old I went to my first game against the A's in 2003 May 2003 and I went to a good 7-8 games there until I literally turned into a teenager and I saw the final game against the Baltimore Orioles Jose Molina and Johnny Damon hit home runs in those games Andy Pettit start 
started. Um, I can name you. It was Posada catching. He pitted, started. Giambi at first. Cano second. Jeter, A-Rod, shortstop in third, respectively. Hideki Matsui was in left. I believe Johnny Damon was in center. And then right was Bobby Abreu. And some other guys came in and out of that game, which included the great Brett Gardner. And, um, yeah, it was Johnny Damon hit a home run in that game. And then Jose Molina, the backup catcher, was the one who hit the very last home run at the old Yankee Stadium. And I believe it was Jason Giambi who had the very last hit and would drive in a future Yankee the future special Yankee Brett Gardner and uh, Mario Rivera comes in close the door for the final time I believe it was a ground out to it was definitely a ground out to second or first and um, they called it 85 years at the old Yankee Stadium and I remember as a kid watching it with my father in our old living room and Jeter said goodbye in a crazy beautiful speech that he said right off the dome i remember feeling really emotional about it even at 13 years old and well um i think it was also because i lost my grandfather big baseball fan that spring and you know a lot of emotions at once a lot of thing a lot of doors were closing but a lot of doors were opening back then and um I remember that game, watching it very well, watching it distinctively. And, um, well, that's one of the great things about sport as our ultimate hobby and distraction for a lot of people. And um, even though it's definitely just a game, but yet for a lot of sports fans, it does really mean a lot because sports is that thing that, well, as I said, it really gives us a break from this crazy world we're in it creates so many memories it creates a lot of joy definitely creates a lot of (laughs) there are times where you're very angry at your teams and get quite emotional but at the end of the day it's our ultimate distraction and our ultimate hobby for the better and that's why sports are a beautiful thing and as we talk to my guest today a lot of it sports related a lot of a lot of important life related things and also brings a lot of emotion in our conversation i felt it was appropriate to include jeter's farewell speech on behalf of the yankees to the fans and um yeah and god i miss old yankee stadium a lot i really do it's been since uh Oh wait, so 12 years it's been gone and uh, oh, I've made plenty of other great memories and I love New Yankee Stadium. It is also one of my favorite places in the world. There's always a special place in my heart for the old Yankee Stadium as the place where I was definitely growing into my own coming of age. And though there was so much more to learn and a lot of things to grasp as I got older, I still have a special place where I truly was a kid at the old Yankee Stadium. And having said all that, I had to talk to this guest of mine today. I had to have him on the podcast, mainly because we were both diehard Yankee fans, but 
He also is one of the truly most genuine human beings on planet Earth that I know who comes from an absolutely amazing family. And I just was so happy when the great Thomas Arduino said he would join the show. And coming into the podcast, my great friend that I've known for a long time, I was curious of how it was going to go. I haven't talked to him in a while until this podcast. And well, picked up where we left off. And uh, it was one of the most enlightening shows I've certainly had. And you all will fall in love with the great Thomas Arduino after talking to him. As we talked about our sports, we talked about cancel culture, we talked about learning from mistakes and our other hobbies in this world, we talked about his awesome grandfather, we talked about how sports really creates an emotional impact and connection for so many people, and seriously, you're just going to love this. You're just going to love the incredible Thomas Arduino and all the incredible things he has to say. And trust me, once you finish this podcast, I guarantee you that you'll have a smile on your face one way or the other from all the great things Thomas said. And we also have a lot of funny laughs along the way. So we're all over the place, but for good measures. In fact, we're all over on great places in this conversation. And without further ado... I present to you the incredible, the mighty, the great man on planet Earth that this person is. This is Thomas Arduino. It is your turn. Let's go. Everybody, this is a very special friend of mine. We really go way, way back. Our families are friends. I've known him essentially, I guess, since five, six years old. And now we're in our mid-20s, just about. But this guy is someone I really, really, really am a big fan of. And um, he deserves, honestly, everything that he gets. But everybody... We're so lucky because we have Thomas Arduino on the program today. Thomas, how are you? What's up, Matt? Thanks for having me. Oh, trust me. It is an absolute pleasure in every sense of the word. So first things first, Thomas. 2020 is about to be over, luckily. Um, Can I ask you how have things been amongst this crazy time we're in? Yeah, it has been a crazy year. Um, I mean, things have been good. I've had a lot of 2020, it's provided a lot of free time for me. So I've had a lot of time to, um, you know, work on myself and figure out some things uh, like side projects, um, really just relax and, and work on things that I want to like, I show interest in outside of like school and, and work and stuff like that. So it's been, it's been good in those terms outside of, you know, all the pandemic stuff. Right. Right. I like a a more humbling, uplifting answer (laughs) with that. Yeah. So you mentioned, you were saying, yeah, no, a thing to come out of the the pandemic and everything, there's been a little bit of a silver lining with, you know, just people being able to find time to, to do their own things. And it's been kind of for some people, myself included, I feel like it's been a reset in a way. Obviously, it's not where we want to be, but um, I think it's definitely woke a lot of people up and has brought in a new perspective 
when things eventually do get better, we'll be more appreciative of the things that we have and the freedoms and all that. I couldn't agree with you more, Thomas, with the, um, especially the reset button. And um, I, I find that really came with me too. I mean, going with this endeavor with the podcast and uh, really getting back into shape that I don't think I would have gotten into the time once I was working and also discovering a lot of new things. So I won't say this year was a blessing in disguise because it really has been stressful on a lot of people, but I will say for what it is, I do appreciate that it was productive amongst amongst it. And I guess uh, yeah. that's why we have a show called Productive Conversations because we just want to be getting closer to some kind of goal, you know? For sure. Yeah. You can always, you know, no matter the situation, I feel like you can always find some positive out of it. Easily. Um, and that's up to us to decide to do it. And most of the time, exactly. it's what we do. Exactly. And so you mentioned that you're doing some side projects. You want to um, get into what you were going on? If there's nothing too top secret, um, what's going on? What you, uh, what are these side projects you've been doing? And I know you have experience in the podcasting sphere yourself. So uh, uh, what you been cooking up? Um, yeah, no, I'm just closing my door. My dog tried to get in here. Mm -hmm. Um, no, uh, nothing too top secret. Uh, I, I basically, I have a lot of different interests. Um, so outside of, you know, my, the last few years I've studied, uh, and got a master's degree in speech language pathology Mm -hmm. to be a, a speech language pathologist. And I love doing that, but I, I also have a lot of other interests, mostly with like sports, um, I'm big into DFS with uh, Daily Fantasy on like DraftKings stuff like yeah. that. I've been studying that for yeah, a while. That. Um, sports cards in the last year have exploded, and I've been uh, buying and selling since I was in middle school. So I've really been hitting that hard. Um, the market's been really good for that. Um, and you know, while I've been, uh, but while I haven't had a job, and and I've been in grad school, not <laughs> which they don't pay you for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been like buying and selling cards and then that's been a way to put a little bit of money in my pocket in the, in the meantime with, with all this stuff. How about that? Actually, Thomas, I got a contact for you if you're interested. Um, someone who came out who um, talked about coming on the show as a card collector. We oh, yeah, together. for sure. So I got to put you guys together. He's a cool guy. Um, yeah, or maybe we could be on... Anyway we could do an episode together on the, on the podcast or something. That'd oh, be fun. please, please. Yeah, man. The, he doesn't have time until January. That's when we're going to have our first talk with. I'm yeah, let me know. Just talk, but that actually is a great, great way to go. Can you, um, can you tell me some of your more valuable cards you've had? Cause I, I, um, I used to be like you, I love baseball cards, but that, I haven't really bought any since probably freshman year of high school, but I still have it. I know exactly where it is. And I have some gems, um, Versus I have my grandpa before he passed away. He gave me a bunch of classic cards. He gave me a Barry Bond second year. He gave me a uh, um, Ken Griffey second year, Ken Griffey Jr. And he gave me a uh, Derek Jeter third year. So top yeah. of my head. So got some nice gems from that sense. What? Who are you, some cool. of your real valuable cards? Yeah. I, so I have, a, I have a few cards that are, and these are obviously on, you're not selling these ones. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I well, don't know. Everyone I mean, has a price, right? Yeah. Every, <laughs> everybody's got a price for sure. Um, no, but there's definitely a card that I probably wouldn't sell, um, for a few reasons. The big, biggest reason is my grandfather gave it to me. Yeah. 
Um, so I have a, actually I have a few of them from this set, but I have a 1952 Bowman Mickey Mantle rookie oh, card. My. It's not in great shape. So it it's, wouldn't fetch like top dollar prices. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a cool card. And, and it's an original he, one. I share too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the Mickey Mantle rookie card, the tops rookie card is like one of the most historic famous baseball cards you know in existence um this isn't that card but it's the same year uh or the year before i think it might be the year before but it it's still one of the most valuable mickey mantle cards in existence Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's a special card you know uh that I have, especially, you know, like the connection with my grandfather, right. who, you know, he passed away a year ago. So it's a nice memory to have from him. And, and honestly, oh, sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. Yeah. He thanks, was a man. great man. Um, Serious. Yeah, he was, he really oh, was. Oh man. Yeah. Whether it was being a ref at the, um, being a spec, the one spectator at, uh, at, uh, street hockey events or yeah. the pools be around in the little leagues. <laughs> Oh man, grandfather was a man, but um, yeah, he 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 lived for that stuff, and he's also a big reason, honestly, how I got into sports cards. So, yeah, and that's so the I same love that thing. card for that reason. And that's the same thing with my Barry Bonds second year and Ken Griffey second year, especially, is that yeah, they got that connection with their grandfather. So uh, those probably will never go anywhere out of my sight. So um, I know exactly where you're coming from with that. Yeah, absolutely, and. Um, but yeah, baseball cards. I have seen that. You know, you know, I really did not think about my traded cards until I met this guy who reached out to me regarding the show. Yeah, and I was like, wow, this. And I went down. I know exactly where they are in my uh, garage, and you know, reminiscing about that. It's like, wow, I guess there really is a um, market for these. And these cards I have are ten years old. And I remember in oh nine or oh ten, I bought like that classic tops. Get every player. Um, like, like the complete set, the complete set. So yeah. I'm thinking, like, who rookie cards that I inadvertently have that I didn't? I think like Mike Trout start first season was 09, so I think I have a Mike Trout rookie card, but I don't know the condition now because they've been high in that. But yeah, I was like, man, this this these might come in handy a little later down the line. Yeah, the um, I know the Trout rookie. It's a uh, 2011 tops. So if you have any 2011 it's a tops update series that's the okay. the brand that it was in so if you have any from that series check it out um oh, especially I actually <laughs> i actually have a pretty cool story about uh the trout rookie so please tell me when i was uh i was super into cards you know middle school high school a little bit into college but you know you know life gets busy for sure s- stuff happened so kind of got out of it when i was in in college also you know money's a factor when you're right. a broke college kid mm-hmm. it was really hitting it hard in in high school and so i, I would often just go on ebay during like study hall right. in in high school a lot of the time mm-hmm. so actually in uh one study hall period i bought two trout rookies for 30 dollars a piece <laughs> in 2011 um oh boy i sold one of them a few months ago and then sent the other one to to get graded which increases the value Mm. of the card yep um but it's just been like a great great investment over that period of time um wound up selling one of the uh trouts for for nine hundred dollars so that was a nice return on investment there that's insane wow is that the most um 
Is it the most expensive card you're able to sell? Uh, up until this point, yeah, that was that was the most expensive. That's incredible! Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Um, yeah, I'm impressed. Congratulations on that. Thank um, you. Thank. Do you know any of the top of your head? You might have anything in your collection that is of a value that we haven't mentioned already. Um, I have a few Kyler Murray rookie cards that I've I've bought and, and graded, which those are worth about like 500 a piece right now already huh um trying to think what else i got a i want to say like 15 to 20 jeter rookies no way something like that yeah i I stocked up on a few of his a few years ago because i knew he was gonna wind up being in the hall um and might try to sell a few of those you know when he gets inducted this year and Mm -hmm. um also got to check up uh, on the conditions of them and, and see if I could send them in to, to get graded potentially. Yeah. If um, Now, is it better to have the cards and wait it out for years to come so with the value can increase like that Kyler Murray card? Or is it better to try to get it, you know, at the time? Like if Kyler Murray winds up having a Hall of, Hall of Fame career himself, are you going to like be – um, look at aggravated man. I shouldn't have sold it already. Or yeah, are you? Uh, I mean, obviously situations are different for everyone, but oh, it, it, situations are always different. Um, is and there's holding on that. I should say taking profit is never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, having that mindset with it, it helps. You're like, oh, I sold him at you know a thousand. Now he's at two thousand. But if you're taking that money that you sold that thousand that you sold it for, and you're putting it to other cards and other investments, you know, it's it's like the, the law of like compounding interest. You know, it, yep. if you're making good investments, it's, it's good over time as long as you're making profit. Um, but in terms of like prospecting and stuff, it's, it's very risky. I mean, like a lot of people have invested in Baker Mayfield and Darnold and I'm, it, was, <laughs> it was really good. I, I, I'm a, I think I'm a believer in Darnold, but Baker I think is, is not a good play. Um, yeah. Darnold but, will get a renaissance on another team. Like maybe I think Bears. so. Bears, so. if they keep to, if they keep on their way, or uh, I, I see him going to the Steelers. Uh, even though obviously they can't lose, but um, you know Big Ben can't be there forever. So that's why I think. Yeah, I think I think if he lands in in Pittsburgh, I think that's a dream scenario for him. I, I think he's a good quarterback. I think the Jets have just mistreated him awfully. Oh yeah, and he's got Juju, his old um, teammate from USC too. That's so. right. Yep. Um, we'll definitely get in the NFL a little later, but, um, back to the cards. So yeah, you're saying it's, um, it's almost, I guess, right place, right time is when you figure out to, uh, make your sale. For sure. And, and it's, it's super difficult to figure out, you know, who's going to be the guy, you know, um, mm-hmm. not many people really saw Mahomes, I think being Mahomes or Lamar no. having an MVP season last year, even if you thought they were going to be good, there's no way that you predicted Lamar having the season that he did last year, you know? Um, and Lamar might be a good example to bring up because he had such a great season last year. And this year, you know, defenses seem like they're figuring him out a little bit. Yeah. So is he a long-term hold or should you have sold him last year when his price mm-hmm. was, was higher? You know, it's, it's, it's that, it's that thing. Um, and it's those decisions that you got to make. Um, but, but again, it, to me, it boils down to if you're taking profit, it's always good. Never a bad thing. I hear that. I hear that. Um, you know, similar to you, since we're in that field, with sports cards, another popular thing is sports memorabilia. 
do you see yourself having any interest in collecting in that sense? Are you going to be like a Steiner collectibles? If anyone knows that reference, um, you think that could also be another thing to add on next to your card collection? Uh, for sure. Probably more so for personal collecting instead of buying and selling. Um, and like that arbitrage of it, um, or flipping, but yeah, for sure. Um, memorabilia is interesting and, Oh yeah, um, I love memorabilia. Whether it's yeah, that or it's, pop culture ones, and that's not not quite at that level yet, though. Because memorabilia, it's a lot of it's you know super pricey. If if you want yeah. like something legit, it's at least you know a few grand or something like that. You get autographs for like a few hundred dollars, but I'm just not at that point in my life where I, mm-hmm. I'm investing in that yet. Yeah, I'm sure you don't keep you. It won't leave the back of your mind, I guess, either. So whenever sure, the time yeah. comes, you have you seen Uncut Gems? I did. I just think about that when you mistreat your memorabilia. We know what could yeah. happen there. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know what the coolest memorabilia I like to see is old sports tickets. Like if they got to see mm-hmm. game, if you went to game six of the 86 World Series. I saw someone sold those. Obviously, the famous Bill Buckner game yeah. was behind the legs. I saw someone sold his ticket stubs. The tickets were on the field box level for 40 bucks for a World Series game. That's it. That's and crazy. honestly, that's probably five grand now. Or, or like, fifth. yeah, yeah, no, yeah, like five grand now in a world, game six of the World Series in New York um, in the field box. But anyway. Yeah, $40 is upper deck, like last row at, you know, Yankees, Texas Rangers. Yeah, it's, <laughs> in it's even April. standing room. Like, it's, it's like standing room <laughs> at this point. But yeah, right. that, that person sold his ticket stubs, three ticket stubs are 15 grand each. And that's what, yeah, 60, crazy. 60K for those. That's and if crazy. you're going to find like real ones, uh, the, the tickets is cool to me. I actually keep all my, t- I have tickets. I've always collected tickets. I mean, yeah, I've, I've always kept my tickets. tickets. Every game I've been to, I I think I have the ticket stubs. Um, I have the ticket stubs. I went to see, it was A-Rod's 500th. No way, really? I have that ticket stub. At the old Unfortunately, slate? it's, yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was a new stadium. Okay. Um, the ticket I have though, which or wasn't that the six hundredth one? I I think it was five hundredth. Five hundredth, he hit the dead center into Monument Park off the Blue Jays. I think right, because that's the one I was at. I I think it was the five hundredth. I thought it was I thought it was the six hundredth because I remember the five hundredth at the old stadium against Kansas City that barely made the foul ball. I I might be I might be mixing it up. I know it was against the Blue Jays to dead center. And it was a significant home run, obviously, a big milestone. Oh, yeah. So, so that was cool. Um, the ticket that I have of it, though, was like printed from oh, online. So, like, that's ticket kind master. Of, yeah. That's kind of annoying. Um, that's one of the things with like, you know, technology and advances in it that I kind of don't like because I, I mm-hmm. like having those, like, the thick paper, oh, of course, car, cardboard um, tickets. So, those are cool. But uh, back to, you know, my grandfather and things that he gave me. Um, his father actually was at Don Larson's perfect game. No in way. The World Series. So That's I have that insane. ticket stub from that game. How much is that ticket? Which is really cool. I don't remember. I don't remember the exact amount, but I, I think it was like a dollar, like Shit. at the most. Man, now that like, that's a story. Yeah, it's crazy. And um, 
That's so cool you have that ticket. Yeah, like, speaking of that, why don't we, we want to talk about, like, some of your favorite games you ever went to? That, the, I guess that yeah. intertwines. Like, I have two when somebody asks me my favorite game. Well, yeah, two. But I have a few other ones. At least these are the top two. Is one I saw at the in the new stadium, Mario Rivera's final season, great close for the Yankees. It was Yankees Tigers 2013, the year before Tigers was, um, won the pennant. So obviously they're hot. This team had Miguel Cabrera right off his uh, triple crown year, Prince Fielder. And I saw um, the matchup was Justin Verlander versus Andy Pettit. So that was pretty freaking awesome. And um, so that was when A-Rod had all that beef 2013 before his year suspension and all that. And I remember everyone was booing him. I didn't. I've always liked A-Rod. And I remember the people were booing so loud you could feel the ground shake. Like this was his first weekend yeah. back. And um, he hits a home run and he shuts people up. I mean, obviously we're diehard Yankee fans, but we could admit that we let uh, our emotions get to us sometimes. <laughs> For sure. But And you, um, you were right, by the way. It was his 600th. It was 600. That I was okay. at. It was well, 600. Still pretty freaking awesome. An awesome moment to have. Oh, yeah. Cool. Bros. And um, so that game at the Myron Rivera comes in. This is wound up being the last time I ever saw him pitch mm-hmm. and uh, in person. And he went up against Miguel Cabrera, just two battles of Titans going at it. And Cabrera, <laughs> Miggy took him deep, actually. Really? <laughs> he actually won. Yeah. They wound up then, if you remember Victor Martinez, they were up by two. <laughs> Then he hit a home run, so tie game. Mo finishes the inning, but Gardy hits a walk off, so he actually got the win. So last time I saw him, he got That's the cool. win, not the save. So that was pretty cool to seeing those Titans go classic pitching matchup um, yeah. and all that. And then the last one, more my other real favorite, is at the old Yankee Stadium. The very last time I was there, I um. We saw Yankees play the Reds. Again, Andy Pettit pitched. I can't tell you who the Reds pitcher was, but we have Ken Griffey Jr. um, playing. So seeing the kid live was now looking back like, wow. And he's turning – he's like – they're really saying he's top 10 ever and such a cultural fit the year too. I mean, I saw something with Michael Jordan. um, (laughs) Michael Jordan when he was playing with the Bulls trying to get his autograph. So it shows the impact he had. But anyways, Ken Griffey Jr. hits a home run. And he gets a standing ovation, like at Yankee Stadium. At Yankee Stadium, and this was like in mid June, so not that serious of a game, but interleague play. But you know, at that point, you didn't know how much longer he was going to be playing, and you just saw this legend. It's like a sign of respect, tip of the cap, ultimate sign of respect. And yeah. my dad has this pic of him going around the bases, and you know, he go has to go past Jeter playing at short, so that's a nice little two icons right there so yeah that's cool that was sweet and the Yankees did wind up winning and Mo got the save with that so uh those are my two favorites that come to mind and I was also at um so far I've been at the last Yankee game with people I went to ALCS game five oh really yeah I went there and I uh uh that's my only playoff game my first and only playoff game so far and um Verlander pitched, if you remember. Um, Verlander versus Paxton. Yep. And uh, that was just an incredible game. DJ LeMayu hits the home run to tie. They gave up an unearned run versus Gary Sanchez. Ball. Um, the inning, yep. This was the first inning. And then, um, froze, yeah, so yeah, first inning, pass ball. Astros up by one. Then DJ ties the game. Then um, 
Judge Judge gets on, and Aaron Hicks hits a home run to that wound up being the final dagger. They and it, it's a big three run homer. I can't tell you who the other guys on base, but Aaron Aaron Hicks hits a home run. Yankees up four one, and that was the rest of the game. And that, again. Just that moment in time, didn't have my phone, and everyone just being going crazy at once. I won't forget it. And mm-hmm. uh, what happened was someone jumped on top of me. I'm like, who the fuck is jumping on top of me? And it was my coworker. <laughs> I had no idea he was coming. And I was like, like, oh, my God, am I going to jump? But I was also so excited at the same time. But luckily it was him. So those, are, so those three really stick out and some others. That's so, cool. Um, what are some of the games you really, really uh, are some of your favorites you went to? Yeah, I got a lot of cool sports memories um, or sporting events memories for different reasons. But yeah, please, um, please tell the the one that sticks out. The most recent one was Yankees Red Sox 2018. It was in April, beginning of the season, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, or it might have been no, it might have been it might have been May or June. It was in the springtime, sometime before the All-Star break. Okay. And it was just a back-and-forth game. It was Tanaka versus Purcello. Okay. And um, I think if I remember right, the Yanks might have went up a little bit early. Then the Red Sox took the lead. And then Judge took it back with like a three-run homer in the seventh or eighth. And just the place, Yankee Stadium's going bananas. Love that. It was amazing. It was, it was like April, like I said, April or June, but it felt like playoffs. Awesome. And it was amazing. Like the the stadium was jumping and vibrating, and and the, it was nuts. Mammoth Homer to dead center. It was it was awesome. Um, so that was great. And then, let's see another time another game that was awesome yeah that could be any sports too you know yeah i got a few what was the other yankee game that i was thinking of well the a-rod the a-rod homer was cool for the the historic moment there um there was a game okay so another yankees red Sox game mm-hmm. this was freshman year of high school and I won a contest from the Yankees to get a tour of Yankee, uh, a tour of Monument Park private before they open like the stadium. Oh, okay. So uh, tickets to the game. And then also I think we, we got, yeah, we got a flat screen TV with it. Boy, so it was you, nice. you, you really hit it. You were, so this was just a chance. Like I guess if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And it was, yeah. Huh? Like, yeah, it was, uh, on the Yankees newsletter and they had a sweepstakes. So I just entered it and I wound up winning. It was insane. So it is. So this is the message is, you know, sometimes that stuff does work around. Just ignore all those emails. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> all right. But tell me so, what happened. Yeah. So that was a, a cool experience for a few different reasons. So we get to the ballpark and we meet the rep, you know, that was in charge of like, <laughs> yeah. bring us to, to monument park. We tour the, the, the monuments and we see these balls lying like next to the monuments and like i pick one up and it's it's a major league official baseball mm-hmm. so i'm like where are these coming from and all of a sudden another one flies in and we're like oh shit like we got to we got to grab these these are balls and so what it turns out me and all my brothers got balls that day 
All right. And what turned out was it wasn't a player taking batting practice. It was Victor Martinez. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. Victor Martinez was throwing BP to his, like, probably 10, 12-year-old son. And he was hitting them from, like, mid-center field. And he was hitting them over the fence. So probably, like, a homer on a real little league field. And he (laughs) Cranking them out, and we were like, "Come on, keep keep it coming, keep it coming." We were like trying to catch him. Be on the lookout for his son, (laughs) which that was cool. Um, and then, so we we get our tickets, and we find out that we were in. They put us in like the Jim Beam suite, I think they called it, but it was it it wasn't the suites though. It was like the bar up in the upper deck so like so, in center field right where they have all the foods and like is that I think, the area i think it was upper deck on the left field side okay um so by the fire if i remember yeah but it, it was it sucked because the only way we could watch the game was through the tvs there was no like visual to the field so we were like screw this so we started walking around and i think we wound up sneaking into the bleachers and yeah that was an experience Yankees Red Sox with the bleacher creatures. And there was a good amount of Boston fans oh, in the bleachers. I love that environment. The back and forth was insane. So there was a group of Yankee fans, probably Jersey mm-hmm. uh, or Staten Island. And then like heavy Boston accent, Boston Red Sox fans. <laughs> and they were just going at it. <laughs> The Boston guy was yelling at the uh, Yankee fan who was a girl. And he was like, he's like you see that touchdown, sweetheart? Like, like, like she doesn't know what the game she's watching. And then uh, he was calling her Snooky the whole game. Like, sit down, Snooky. Like, oh, like all the back Shut the and fuck forth. up. And it got so crazy, you know, because by the time, you know, you're hitting the seventh inning, everybody was drinking a lot. They were yep. definitely feeling it. Buzzed. By the end of the game, we were the only people left in our section. Everyone else got kicked <laughs> out. Oh, no way. <laughs> Everybody. there. I don't remember there being any, like, physical fights. Um, the, I think there was, like, almost to the brink of a physical fight. You want to go? But it was just... It was, yeah, exactly. It was just a lot of like verbal back and forth. And uh, I think somebody threw like a drink at someone and that's what, what got most of the people kicked out. But oh, yeah. Though those war games, especially the Yankees, Red Sox, I mean, and the bleacher creatures, those are, I actually try my best to get as close as you could get to the bleacher creatures. Like I know they have a specific section, um, like 213 or something. But yeah. um, sometimes they're harder to get than others, but it's just all, always a great vibe. And I once took my friend, my buddy who works at ESPN now, He I, he's a hardcore Red Sox fan and I'm obviously a Yankee fan. And he went, um, we made a deal. I'll go, if you go to Yankee Stadium with your gear, I'll do it for your Red Sox. And we're still waiting for COVID. I still have to put up my end of the deal only because yeah. of COVID. Is it, I haven't done it yet. So I will do that, in fact. But he goes up and he was a... Uh, he was a trooper for it. Now, when we when we went, this was back in 2015. We went. Yankees were okay. I know they won the wild card that or made it to the wild card that year, but you know better than the few years prior. And the, but the Red Sox were awful, so people would would give him shit. And we sat in the bleachers, just the other opposite end by the bleacher creatures. Now 
if it was a tighter race, like this was pre-judge before he came by. This is pre-judge Gary, um, um, all Louis Severino, all those guys. So you know, um, people would give him shit. They were just like, "Boss, it sucks." No one was an asshole about it. And then I only think it's because the Red Sox were so bad back then. But um, it was great booing David Ortiz right next to his face and stuff. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, the bleachers are awesome. And honestly, it's a pretty good value for the price of the ticket to sit in the bleachers. Oh, yeah. You know, y- Yankee Stadium is so expensive. And for the the view that you get from the bleachers, from the yep. experience being in that uh, crazy section and being a part of that, it's I, I feel like it's definitely one of the top areas I would I would recommend for buying tickets. To Easily. And sometimes people can hit it over there. Let's get a right knock, right? Yeah, you get maybe you luck into a home run ball. Yeah, exactly. For sure, for sure. Um, and have you? You have any other um Yankee? Um, any um other specific sports events? Whether it's a also maybe a basketball game or football game. Like for for me, I um. um. I saw once when I went to my first Nick game when I was 10 and that was so sweet. So my first game was Oh four and they played the Pistons who wound up winning the NBA finals that season. So I saw my first time Madison square garden pre-renovation for there. Just you could feel the history, honestly. And um, like I saw Ben Wallace, Rashid Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Tayshawn Prince, those guys. Yeah. That was a good team. And um, then I saw with the Knicks back then, they actually made the playoffs that season, only get swept by Boston. But it was Stephon Marbury, if you remember, yep. leading yep. Jamal Crawford, Tim Thomas, Kurt Thomas. That yeah. was that was sweet, and they wound up winning by two. So that was that was a cool experience. And then that is cool. I went to my first NFL game actually last season. This finally took forever. And I saw Bills Giants, which the Bills wound up winning. Seeing Josh yeah. Allen before he really hit it off was cool. Seeing I saw Saquon hit a solid 30 yard rush up the middle for a touchdown and seeing Eli before he uh, ran to the sunset. So those are some other cool s- events sticking out non baseball. Yeah. You have anything like that? I know you're a big Ranger fan. So do you get a. Yeah, a yeah. Two? Um,. So, yeah, I've only been to one Giants game in my life. Um, I kind of think, like, NFL games are kind of overrated because it's usually cold going to the yeah. games. It's I, a huge stadium, so it's hard to see depending on where you're sitting. Right. And just, like, just watching at home, like, on Red Zone is just so much better, I think. You're right, and I think a lot of NFL fans would say that, too, that um, yeah. that's one thing that's better for TV sakes. So Yeah, so I, I think NFL is the worst live sports um, game, but um, I've been to two Knicks games in my life and I loved both of them. They were were awesome. The the first game I went to was Knicks against the Utah Jazz. That was when the Jazz had prime Carlos Boozer and um, it's like Darren Williamson. Yeah. Yeah. And they were really good. I think the Knicks lost, but like that was just a cool game. I remember like, being at uh being in middle school and just like the whole day was just like super excited that like Hell I was yeah. going to the Nick game that night. I remember like walking out of the hallway like just like sprinting like so excited. Peace everybody. Um yeah, that was fun. And then the other Nick game we went to, this was a, a cool experience. It was a preseason Knicks and Nets game. Um but we had seats on the floor. 
No um, way. Or not not really on the floor, but like three rows from the from the basket, like right behind the basket. So we were down close for like warm ups and stuff. It was just so cool to see you know the players up and close like that. Wound up uh, getting Nate Robinson's autograph, which was really cool. He was he was well, my how favorite. How much is that worth time. now? <laughs> not that not After not that this much, weekend. unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was just so cool. And like I I remember I was like. I, th- I think I was in middle school for that game too. And I was like almost as tall as Nate Rods. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but it was cool. He was super, super nice um, engaging with the fans. Like he's got a great personality, especially for New York. Um, you know, signed everyone's autograph who's in line for him. Like he's just, just an obvious fan favorite when he was with the Knicks and he's an overall great guy. Um. We love our. But yeah, and then, like and then been to some some good Ranger games too. Nothing too, too like noteworthy. Um, Just dying to go to dying to see some playoff hockey at MSG. Oh yes, I'd it's, love to go to a live game. And they are in a rebuilding phase now. It could be. Hey, they made the bubble. Um, yeah, they're, they're, I know they had a brief stay, but uh, now with the new you know Panarin uh, era could start. Yep, with Chavez yeah, no, too. So, definitely, a, definitely a bright future. Right. Um, drafted Lafreniere first overall, who's supposed to be a up Next there with Crosby. Like, right? Yeah, they're they're talking him with like that level of of prospects. So, it's interesting. Drafted Kako the year before, who I think is going to have a very good year coming up mm-hmm. um, if they play. Hopefully, they do. Please and please, um, please. yeah. Just overall, a lot, lot to be excited about as a Ranger fan. Definitely. Now, one thing I want to ask about with the Yankees, because we're sticking into that and people with bright futures, and I think uh, Yankees, we know what happened this past October, the last two Octobers. Mm-hmm. Game losing home run, season losing home runs, back-to-back years. I think now it's fair to say, you know, year before we made it, tough loss against the division against the Red Sox in the division series. Then the year before by the cheating Astros. We've had some experience now. We've gotten some years down. And I think it's time now where we can say as Yankee fans, all right, we need to produce. We need to at least win the pennant. This has been an era of tough losses. I think it's I think that's long overdue. Yeah. I think you know, if you think about it with the contracts, like their window is kind of tightening because yeah. you're going to have to pay judge coming up pretty soon. Yep. Glaber, Sevy, all these guys, they're going to be getting off their rookie contracts. So they got to win soon. Um, the time is clearly now. So yeah. with all this, Thomas, what yes. direction do the Yankees need to go to finally get over the hub? Um, where, what do we do? First of all, I, I want to hear the grand sphere of things before I have a few sure. questions with that. So what do we have to do, Thomas? Um, what do we have to do? There's, well, to me, there's two options, right? You get – you sign another bat, whether that's keeping LeMayhew. That's a must, man. Getting that's Lindor or whatever. I, you know, I don't know how feasible all this is, but I definitely think if we do not sign LeMayhew, you got to go after Lindor and then move Torres to second. To me, I, I'm not in love with Torres at, at shortstop. No, I no, think, he can't. Like, especially with seeing what DD did at short. I, 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 don't, I love Torres' bat. 
I just don't love his glove at short. I think he's a very good second baseman and a below average shortstop. Um, but I mean, I'd love to see the Yankees sign Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. So you think in the uh, pitching routes, the way to go with this I, offseason? I, I think so. I think the lineup is pretty solid the way it is, especially if we keep DJ. Um, I, I just think with pitching, we we can't rely on Sevy coming back and staying healthy or being healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's huge. Um, and also, Paxton's a free agent, isn't he? Yes, he is. So if, if we don't keep Paxton, that's another hole in the rotation. Um, I mean, you saw it th- this year, the rotation, we were throwing Hap in playoff games. Oh, man. I, I never want to see J.A. Hap in a playoff game. Ever. We won't see him as a Yankee either because of the beef he caused with the with with Cash. Yeah, well, stuff, so. yeah, he's he's gone now, right? They didn't they didn't yeah. sign him. No, no non-tender or anything. Um, so, like, that's good. I I like Montgomery a lot, but he's largely unproven. Um, but like Delphi right now, Garcia what is, too. Debbie, yep, Debbie, Um. So right now the rotation is Cole. Tanaka, and then Sevi, you could say like when yeah, those he's are the three you can trust, or or three that you could right. trust may have a rotation spot. Yeah, I feel like with Sevi's very short career, but it's been marked with injuries so far. And when yep. he's healthy, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. But he's not healthy very often. He's he's basically the pitching version of Judge. <laughs> oh man, that's, you know they're both injured all the time, but they're amazing when they're healthy. Yep. <laughs> Um, so I really, th- I think, I, I think Bauer would be, if I had to choose a free agent to go after, I think he would be my top, my top choice. That's something I will definitely not oppose. If you have Bauer and Cole at the top of the rotation, things looking good. Um, especially definitely. looking good with that. And, you know, our bullpen, I think, um, needs a hard look at themselves. First things first, when we go to the bullpen, how do you feel about Roldis Chapman right now? I want Thomas? him gone. Yeah. I, I, I'm so done with Chapman as a closer. I, mm-hmm. I don't try. I trust Britain more. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I hope Britain gets the closer. I, I, I don't season. see, I don't see why Boone can't do it as like a closer, a uh, closer by committee where you throw, I know they're both lefties, but like you put Chapman in the eighth in some games if you know the analytics tell you or the matchups are better and then you throw Britain in the ninth or, or vice versa or you could flip flop I'm I, I don't know I I'm maybe it's because I'm a newer or a younger fan but the the old time mindset of like you need a closure because he racks up saves and you need a consistent guy I think you don't really need that I, I you've seen some teams already mm-hmm. I think they've gone to multiple guys yeah closing and they just go based on the, the situation I think that's how you have to go because I mean I mean Chapman's not even throwing as hard as he used to no and he's that slider has killed him not just for one play in the playoffs but another with the giving up the big Rajay Davis home run and and uh, he got saved. He would have been known in infamy for that. The Altuve stuff, even though who knows if he, little asterisks next to that little asterisks but. to that. 
I'm going to be crazy and just say he cheated and he had a buzzer, but that's just me. And even uh, with the cheating though, on that Homer, I like, I still don't trust Chapman. Oh yeah. No, of course. I mean, he did it again with this, with the, with the Rays, and that just, that hurt, man. That was, that was just so hurt. And if it's not the home runs he's giving up, you know, he's walking guys on four pitches to lead yep. off the inning. It's like, you just can't do that in a ninth, in a one run game in the playoffs. I think three times, a third times the charm is a fair to say in this and the all in the playoffs too. You, you literally threw three major home runs and two of them ended a season and very well could have yeah. been a third one. So, um, he's got to go. I hope they, I hope Britain's the guy they, do, if they're going to do a closer by committee, I know Canley's not coming back. So uh, if they if or they were sticking old school closer, I want Britain. Obviously, he proved he could do it in Baltimore. He re, he was probably the only honestly good reliever this season from start to finish. Yeah, and um, I thought I, I thought Ottavino could have done it, but I think he just had a down year. So maybe you can. Uh, yeah, I like Ottavino. I I think he's really good, and um, I love how he wears. Zero. I think that's so tough. Right. And it's Definitely. like, oh, it's like an yeah. O, like Adovino. Like, it's just so tough. I love it. I love it too. And, you know, I'm back to your point, like with DJ, when we were going with the infield, DJ has to be resigned. I think the Yankees know it. I think DJ wants to come back too to the Yankees. I'll tell you one thing with the Mets and their um, supposed renaissance. I just hope they don't get him. I've never disliked the Mets. I really haven't. I mean, of mm-hmm. course, when the Yankees Mets, I always troll with the Mets fans. I want them to win. But I never actually yeah. – I know some Yankee fans legit hate the Mets. I've never understood that. Yeah. I've never really hated the Mets. Um, yeah, I, I just I, – when you're the Yankees and you have a history of winning, and why do you – I get that they're your crosstown <laughs> rivals, but, like, the hate is should be from the Mets towards the Yankees. Yeah, they I don't miss the Mets are the Mets lose a lot and the Yankees win. So I see that I, I don't get Yankee fans hating Mets. Like what are you hating about the Mets other yeah. than that they play in New York? Exactly. Um like, I wanted them to win though when they were in the World Series a few years back. I wanted them to win. I I had no, yeah. definitely in that. But um <laughs> like like Mets fans in general I don't even really find that obnoxious uh really. like Except I, I know I, one kid who's like that but that's him <laughs> yeah the one thing about Mets fans though is I do think that they get a little delusional at times like I feel like every year even when they're garbage they're like all right this is the year we just need like Syndergaard mm-hmm. to be you know Cy Young and it's like well Syndergaard's not gonna be Cy Young <laughs> like <laughs> and that's not like that's just an example it's not literally what people say but they just have those like Oh, especially with the Steve Cohen stuff. They they, they yeah. he's the Messiah I mean, right now to them. <laughs> yeah, with, now hilarious. with Steve Cohen in the picture, it's more realistic. But even then, it's like they think that just having money is going to win championships. And it obviously doesn't. The Yankees haven't won since 2009. Nope. So, like, great, you have the money example. to spend, but you could also spend really poorly or have those guys that you get – and they just don't pan out or you give them so much money that you can't buy other guys. It's, it, it, you know, just having the money is step one. You got to spend it smartly um, or in a smart way. So we'll see. But definitely if you're a Mets fan, a lot to be excited about. Definitely. No, I, you know, good for them. Just don't beat us and don't take, um, don't take DJ LeMahieu because then I will legitimately hate the Mets. And one thing too, 
um, with, with other things. One, Luke Voigt. Do you think they should go? He should go or no? I honestly I, say I yes. love Luke Voigt. Really? You think he should go? I think he's worth the trade bait to get someone else. Only because we're so right-handed heavy, like very right-handed heavy, that it. I think that was one of our issues. I would not – now, I don't dislike Luke Voigt. I think he's a great player too, but if – the right player comes in a trade and a lefty like a Francisco, Francisco Lindor, if they want to trade him to Cleveland for that. Yeah. I wouldn't be sad, but I'd like to hear your side of it too. What is his contract like right now? Is he a free agent? Luke Voigt? Or is he a free agent next year? I think Luke Voigt is a free agent next Cause year. Cause that plays into it. Um, but th- so there's a few questions you have to ask yourself, right? To me, the, the first one is when is his contract up? Or, and do you think that – do you plan on re-signing him? Because if, if that's a no, then it's definitely – you're definitely trying to trade him. Right. Um, also, like, what is his contract if you – Actually, he, he – actually, uh, if you don't mind me, um, just – Go ahead. Here. He actually has a contract up until – he has three years of arbitration, and then he becomes a free agent in 2025. So he actually does have a good amount of time left. Gotcha. So – Into this. So you don't have to trade him because you have him under contract for that time. Right. Um, but then again, if you trade him and he's got three years still on the contract, it's even more valuable because the team will have him for three years guaranteed instead of, uh, you know, alone for like a playoff push and then he's gone. And you gave up, you know, Lindor for that, for mm-hmm. one season of Luke Voigt. That's um, true, too. I think the other for the Yankees, the other question you have to ask yourself is: Do you think that Ford can be the everyday first baseman? That or, I, that or, I don't think so. or Lemayhu? We've seen Lemayhu play first. DJ, yes, not not Mike Ford. He was. I, I think I think DJ at first is fine, um, but then who's going to be your second baseman? Tyler Wade. Well, that's like that. that's where the possible trade comes in. I thought maybe because actually Didi Gregorius is going to be a free agent. Um, I wouldn't mind. I, I think he'd be cool to have him come back and put um, Glaber in the second position again. So we have a little reunion from 2019. Um I think that is worth investing. And again, like I said, it's not that I dislike Luke Voigt. I do think he's an awesome player, and especially he's the major reason why we did so well this year. I'm just saying that if they wound up trading him, I I would understand the sacrifice. You know? I got you. And that, that's a good point because if you're going to be giving up Voigt, you're going to be getting someone like Lindor in return. So like the infield, say we got Lindor for Voigt, it would the infield would be Geo at third, mm-hmm. uh, Lindor short, Torres at second, and then first would be Ford, or like depending on like Lemayhu situation, I guess Lemayhu would be at first if we sign him. So that's that's not awful. Um, I, I still I feel like keeping keeping Void is the best option moving forward. I can understand. Um, I think and, maybe, and fair points with that. I think maybe even like I don't know I, I I don't know how valuable of a trade PC actually is or if people actually would want him in a P. I mean obviously he led the league in homers so he would take some value but um, if only he was a switch hitter and um, yeah right I'm not sh- I'm just not sure if 
teams would want Voight and prospects or if they would just want prospects. That's that's my thing. So. And the only thing with Voight is his his fielding is not that good. So it's about, yeah. just about with that risk of it. Um, but I guess only time will tell. And uh, but I want to say this: we have a, we clearly have an opening in left field. Yes. So, um, I know it's quite. What do we do about the left field position now? Here's what two guys I think the Yankees should consider going after, and it was reported that there's there's this one player the Yankees are interested in. Mm-hmm. I really would love them to see Michael Brantley. If they could pick him up. He's left fielder, bats left, solid contact hitter. Um, a lot of success with the Indians. Went to World Series with them. Went to a World Series with Houston. Maybe third time's a charm. I think that um, he could really benefit in our lineup. And he's a really good fielder. If you remember him throwing out Judge on that double play at game six of the ALCS last year, I think that would be the guy to go after. How do you feel about Michael Brantley being a Yankee? I like that. I think that's a, a would be a good signing. I think that's a, a really good take. Um, like you said, lefty bat at Yankee Stadium. That's always great. And especially with us right now, with they're so right-handed heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not an extreme power hitter. He'll he'll put up maybe like twenty homers a year, but more of an average uh, hitting for average is more of his game. And but with the benefits. short porch, like who knows? Maybe you see twenty-five homers out of him in a year, right? Thirty, maybe. Um, Yankees. So I like that a lot. And Yankees been criticized with players who are you know, sink or swim, they go deep or strike out. That's another thing with Luke Voigt, especially we, I could deal with it with judge and Stanton we're stuck with. And, um, but, uh, I think if you could bring a more contact hitter like Brantley, that would be sweet for sure. And that's what, that's why LeMahieu has been amazing. Oh yeah. He's because turned he's into been, one of my favorite Yankees ever, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, cause he's so consistent, always on base and you know, not, not, that all or nothing guy and you need those in your in your lineup so clutch too especially especially if we lose dj i think adding brantley would make a lot of sense and he would fill that leadoff role like to get right. on base that type of hitter um man dj awesome. deserves every month every dollar he gets oh yeah because mm-hmm. i mean there's so there's been so many times where like if we didn't have dj you know a judge homer would be just a solo shot instead of a two-run yep. homer yep, yep you know um so yeah, I I like that signing a lot. The dilemma with that though is, what what are you doing with Clint Frazier? Because I'm a, yeah, that's I what's going to that was I was going to ask about that as one of the openings and left. Do we keep with who we have? Is it Clint Frazier? Is Clint Frazier I, worth putting him in? And it's his his shot now. I I think he is. Clint Frazier is a MLB outfielder. Yep. I I, I think. <laughs> I would even go to say that he's a a very good MLB outfielder. Um, he hasn't really gotten an extended amount of playing time nope. with the Yankees, but the times that he's the the at bats that he has gotten, the games that he's gotten in with inconsistent playing time, he's done very well. He's he's hit like twelve homers last year when. He only played like half a season, something like that. Yep, like, and that was one of the tough things when Stanton got signed. People thought that Clint was going to go because Clint came before um, 
Clint came before Stanton. He was in the big trade that got uh, Yankees uh, traded um, Andrew Miller, and he came to and he was part of the big prospect that he was the big. Right. Thing. And yeah, well, yep. you are right. When he's on the field, he's pretty legit. I know at first he had some attitude problems that seem to have been tamed and changed. I think that's just from being a young guy. And uh, and I know he had some fielding issues, but I think he kind of cleaned those up as well. So yeah. besides just being a right-handed hitter, you know, why not? Why not? Um, I think he's really hot worth considering to to bring too and um if it's not brantley i think clint would be great to have and this brings to my next point now this this free agent just announced he, he didn't get an arbitration deal or or non-tender deal the his, this team in particular the cubs didn't pick him up but this might be you know, yes, pun intended, and out a uh, left field answer. But because his swing is so perfect for Yankee Stadium, I think he'd be worth considering. And that's Kyle Schwarber. But again, god awful fielder. Like he's probably the worst that we mentioned. But I don't know. Yeah. Isn't someone to put Stanton in? But it seems anytime Stanton runs, he gets hurt too with everything right. going on. But is Schwarber's just amazing swing, amazing left-handed swing? Is it worth the investment to bring him in? How do you feel? I don't think Schwarber is. I did see mm-hmm. something on Twitter, though, that Cashman likes Schwarber a lot. <laughs> um, uh-oh. Yeah, so uh, um, I just don't see the fit because he's basically a DH. I yeah. do think he needs to move to the in American League team. Or if oh, the yeah. DH or if the DH stays in the NL, great. But he's a DH. Like, he can't right. play the outfield. Um. But right now, there's just no room for him on the Yankees. You're not going to put him in the outfield. And Stanton is our DH. So I I just don't see the fit. And, you know, he's another guy that he's all or nothing. And, yeah, like playing at Yankee Stadium would probably help him out. But, I mean, he he crushes the ball that he doesn't even need the short porch. (laughs) He can hit him out in the deepest ballparks. So, um, if, if I were offered that, I think I'd pass on Schwarber. I can see that. Well, at the end of the day, I just hope if anyone, Kyle Schwartz, no, 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 uh, Michael Brantley and DJ LeMayhew, and yeah, I mean, if we could get Trevor Bauer, that would be a treat. That would be a real treat. And he'd be something sure. with his very unique personality in New York. I'd love to see how that holds up. Yeah, definitely. And just the last Yankee-related point before we switch it up is, um, Thomas, your family go, went viral this week after getting retweeted and commented by Yankees play-by-play Michael K. Dude, yes. how did that feel, man? That you was cool. explain what happened. Yeah, so I'll give the complete backstory because it, uh, it does need explaining. So my sister Catherine mm-hmm. has Down syndrome. And she loves watching YouTube on her iPad. So yep. she really, she sits on our couch and she, you know, she spends hours watching YouTube. It's just mm-hmm. her thing. She doesn't, um, it's like her little Zen that she just locks in. How sweet. Um, basically our whole, her whole life though, it's been like, you know, watching Barney. She's went on to like some other like Yo Gabba Gabba, those type of shows, mm-hmm. the kids shows. But it's been in that realm, you know, that realm of like kid shows, yep, stuff like that. A few weeks ago, all of that went to the wayside for the Michael K show. 
<laughs> which is the most bizarre transition you can imagine. Right. It, um, it's largely because my dad is working from home and he watches the Michael K show while he's uh, in the background while he's working and Catherine will be around and she sees it. And I think what hooked her was the infamous hysterical Don LaGreca, Ed Cranepool rant. Of course. About the Mets. Yep. Which is all time. It's, uh, I, I laugh hysterically every time I see it. Ed Cranepool's a great Met. It's a shame people forget him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so she, she's, I think found like how animated he was. She found it hysterical. (laughs) And then, and then a few days later after like, we were watching that we walked down the stairs and we're like holy shit she's watching the michael k show <laughs> on her ipad and no one put it on there for her and you know she she has a difficulty of navigating the ipad like a lot of times we have to like search stuff for her and play the videos for her and stuff yep. but i don't know if it was a suggested video or what but she found it herself and was watching it and she continues to watch it every single day now it's hilarious and she mm-hmm. she laughs so hard to all these so i was the uh the other day i was just like i gotta send this to the michael k show and just see like, yeah. what they've been what they've been doing and i and just for like us and our family it was just hilarious of course and i was like oh i'm gonna send this out to michael k They're like they'll love it it's great for their show and and just to see that like they're connecting with with people especially an audience that they definitely probably will never think that they would connect with, you know, right. Female down syndrome mm-hmm. girl, like who's 20 years old. Like that's definitely not their demo. <laughs> so I thought it would be cool for them to, you know, know that they have other listeners out there that, you know, don't look like, you know, 40 year old white male that they typically <laughs> right. probably target to. Um, and yeah, it was just awesome. It was awesome that Michael K responded and, you know, it was such a genuine response by him. Yeah, that it was. I saw um, that. That was so cool. So it was, it was just great it, 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 all around. And, and Rosenberg responded too and, and was like, hey, like the tweet. Uh, so it was cool. No That's so beautiful, man. And I hope one day you guys wind up in the same spot, especially once we have fans back, you know? Definitely, yeah. It'd be great to, you know, one day run into Michael K and then tell him about it. Hopefully, Catherine can meet him and stuff. For sure. I actually, you know, his show Center Stage on Yes Network. Yep. I've actually been to a couple of those tapings. And I saw oh, really? him. Yeah. I said, what's up? He was a, I know, he's really tall. I think he's like six yeah. four, six five. Yeah. He's got a yep. big head. Not the big ass head. That. I got a big head too. But um, damn, like, that's what I took. I was like, bro. This guy's humongous. <laughs> but yeah, hey, he is tall. He's great at what he does. I got to be honest with you, though. I'm more of a WFAN guy. That's where I go with the sports yep. radio. I, I, I love. I like both, yeah. They're, they're yeah, both great. Yeah, I do go back in there. You like um, Carton and Robert so far, first couple of weeks? Um, listening? I, I haven't really listened to that much, but I loved the uh, Evan and uh, Joan Evan. Joan Evan show. Hell love yeah. that show. Um. 
when Boomer and Carton was on, that was a great show too. So I, I think that I think that's gonna that show's gonna work out really well. Oh man, I'm loving Carton and Roberts a lot. I didn't expect how much I would like it. I thought they would do well with. I know people were skeptic because they're completely different. But I was like, well, Mike and the Mad Dog were completely different, and look what they did. And yep. It's just so great. It's a nice mixture of sports and pop culture and random stuff, and it's good to see yep. a, a nice comeback story for Craig Carton. We're happy to see. Yeah, definitely. Oh, did man. you watch the documentary? The HBO one? I did, yeah. I was uh pretty good. I did it was it made you really feel for him and I think it was yeah. a uh, very honest portrayal, especially gambling addictions and stuff and uh Yeah. Crazy so, life like what he was yeah. doing. Taping and then going down to uh Atlantic, Atlantic City. Yeah, that's a solid two hours from New York. Yeah, like like insane, the double life. Um but yeah, definitely seemed remorseful and and I honestly feel like he I mean he probably knew what he was doing, but it was he got pinched for for spending money that was loaned to him for uh that was loaned to him for the pur- purchasing of tickets. Yeah. But instead he used that for gambling. I feel like that was like I mean, obviously it's fraud, but in a way, there's worse things in the world. Well, yeah, there's you know I mean? there's worse things, but also like, I don't want to say he didn't know what he was doing, but like, I don't know. It's just hard to hard to explain. But, yeah, I get um, just where you're coming from. It's all. It's like, like I don't think he's a bad guy. Of is course. what I'm saying. I don't think he was deliberately trying to defraud people. I think it he was. People. Th- this is what I was trying to say. He's. It was basically just put himself in a very hard situation that he made a bad decision. I don't think he's a bad person because of it. That's of that's what I was trying to get at. And that's that's why I think it's worth hearing to get this second chance. And, um, you know, I'm sure they could debate on with the justice system and stuff like that. But um, you're For right. Sure. He's and not he, a and bad guy. he did guy. his time. And, he, he did and, his time. He um, learned his lesson. And I think he's doing a lot of benefits coming back to the fan and being honest about it, not being shy sure. away. And he's helping a lot of listeners who've called in to say thanks. And definitely a lot of um, – <laughs> people and, and credit to the that. fan for taking him back too yeah, seriously um, especially in this day and age you know they could just be like no we don't want to we don't want to deal with the back potential backlash of you know people being like oh you're hiring a, a criminal or or whatever so so credit to them um i mean carton did have a very big following so it definitely benefits them by bringing oh, him back sure. too but but yeah just just happy that he's back and getting that second chance seriously very very it's very inspiring in that sense and i'm excited to see what he does and one thing you he did not change a beat i've been listening to every single show so far and it's just the same and it's it's a lot of fun with a different evan dynamic this really is night and day seeing those yeah. two course and that's what makes great radio so for sure shout to them shout out to them one thing um about uh football right now right yep dude we're both giant fans the giants are in first place we are going into week 12 of the national football league thomas can the giants do it can the giants go um can the yes i get it we're in a terrible division but you know what every single troll who talks about the horrible division if the 
things were turned around, whether it's my friend who's a Chiefs fan who literally texts me once a day to tell me how bad the Giants are. I was like, bro, if this was the AFC West, you would do the same thing. But how are you feeling, Tom? How long has your friend been a Chiefs fan, by the way? I got Is him. He a bandwagon? No, he's from Missouri, to be fair. Okay, all right. He gets a so pass he, that. So he, just he's got to right. check. Oh, all the time. I mean, <laughs> fair where the fans. How many new Brooklyn Net fans are we getting, Thomas? Jeez. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? But, um, uh, but I, do, I do believe in this team. Do I think they're going to win the Super Bowl? No. But I definitely think they're good enough to win this division and help with how bad it is. Um, I honestly think they would give, depending on the matchup, I think they would give whatever playoff team they face a pretty good matchup. Yeah. They've been in every single game this year. I, I think under under a score, except for one, which was the 49er game. Yes, every game was 10 points or less. It was a 10-point differential. 10 points or less. Yep. Except the, uh, yes, we got a bad game against the Niners. But, um. Yeah, um, I think a lot, and a lot of these losses have been on the Giants taking bad penalties um. or turning the ball over, which are all – or. Evan Ingram not catching the ball. Jeez, man. How do you feel about Evan Ingram? He's just, he's just such an enigma. I, I mean, I don't – he either – he did well against the, the Bengals last week, but yet he kept – there were some more bad drops, and then we've seen drops turn into picks. And uh, Yeah. You okay with him? You're willing to write it out um, or what? I, I, in my opinion, I don't want to resign him. Nope, nope. I, I think he was a bad first-round draft pick. I, I think he's Easily. a good player. I just think it was not a smart pick to take a tight end who doesn't block as nope. a first-round pick when we needed much. an offensive line to, to protect Eli. It just didn't make any sense. Um, Patrick Mahomes-looking guy. <laughs> yeah, like he's a very good athlete, but I mean, for as good as an athlete he is, he doesn't even put up like sick numbers so like nope i just don't think if you're trying to build a super bowl team i don't think you need an evan ingram type nope, player nope nope man but um you were saying though as uh we can be good we're having meaningful games at this time of year and we could compete yeah and it's exciting um you know jones not playing this week which i think he's questionable but i think he's most likely not going to play yeah um that's tough playing seattle um seattle's beatable they're beatable, I, dude. I I think they're. I think they can beat Seattle. Um, I think think so too. People think I'm crazy that they can beat them with Colt McCoy, and I, I probably am. They probably won't, but nah, I think I'll they be would, crazy with you on that. I think I think it's I don't a think it'll game, be, be a blowout. Like I think people think that Seattle's or we're going to Seattle, right? We're in Seattle. Yeah, we're we're in Seattle for this one. So like, I don't think we're gonna go into Seattle and. and Get our clock cleaned. I, they've been in every single game. The defense has been good. Yeah, so we have a legit up, defense. I was going to say. If that. you can match up with uh, Bradbury on Metcalf and control him with whatever controlling him is, probably 80 yards is probably controlling him with how good he is. But, um, and Tyler Lockett, like people forget that the Seahawks offensive line is not very good. So if you can get pressure on, uh, Russell Wilson, you can find some success and, and get some turnovers. And the, but the thing is the offense. The offense has to move the ball. They have to be better. I mean, yep. the way that they played against Cincinnati this past weekend was terrible, and that's one of the worst defenses in the league. Luckily, we've somehow won that. That would have been heartbreaking. If we that was lost, so lucky. If we that. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, Seattle's defense is not very good either. I know they've improved because they added Dunlap um, on defense, but I don't know. I think it's a winnable game. Call me, call me delusional. Call me optimistic. Uh, I think it's a winnable game, and I'd love. I, I mean. How sick would it be if Colt McCoy goes into Seattle and wins that game? Like that'd be so awesome. What a what a uh, return to form for him. I know he had an amazing college career and his NFL career has been a uh, not not too hot. I mean, we did really bra- yeah. bad with the Browns and all that, but uh, it is worth mentioning too. Sorry to cut you off, but it is worth okay. mentioning too that Colt McCoy is one and zero against Seattle in his career. <laughs> really? I didn't even know that. Well, you know what? <laughs> I think that's one reason why we're having, um, you know, have him come in, have Daniel 100% with the hammy, and then um, we're rock and rolling after that. No more division games except Dallas on the last game of the season. Yep. We're playing off the top of my head. We're playing the Ravens at one point, and Ravens is – I think it goes down the stretch. It goes Seattle, Arizona, yep. Baltimore, Cleveland, Dallas, or yeah. I might be flip flopping. I might be flip flopping Baltimore and Cleveland, yeah, but there's definitely the two must win games. We have to beat Cleveland. They have a very good record this year, but they're not a good football team. Nope, especially no with a uh, no uh, um, with no Odell now, and and Baker we have to beat Dallas. Those are the two must wins. Yeah, by the um, way, you were right. Cleveland is actually – it goes Cleveland and then Baltimore. Cleveland and then Baltimore. So, that makes sense. Um, even Baltimore, their defense is amazing, Baltimore, but their offense hasn't done much. They don't really scare you. I view that game as like a – that could be like a 14-10 game, that Baltimore game. But um, Man, a win's a win, and that's what I say with these people. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. never know. And, and you know what? The Giants, they always play up or down to the opponent, I feel like. They play a good team. They play well, but they fall short usually. Like like when they play Tampa, they were in the game the whole time, and they lose it. And then they play Cincinnati, who just lost their stud quarterback, and they weren't good to begin with, and they can't even score a touchdown on them for three quarters. Right. That 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 was that was just such a bad game and kind of surprising, but you know what? The win's the win and it's always a new week. That's what's exactly. great about football in particular. Um exactly. and as you mentioned, the defense really stepped up. Um, you know, this let me just say this and we'll go into the point. How are you feeling about Gettleman right now? At the beginning of the year I was ready to say goodbye, and you know what? And I thought maybe he isn't so bad. Like how he when I mean, with the defense who have stepped up, him picking up Logan Ryan's could be an all pro. Cliff Martinez is a hell of a player. James Bradbury is the best corner in the league, um, I, mean, I would argue. Yeah. And then Leonard Williams, who everyone shit on him for that. And it, and he, I think he's got five sacks right now. And Oh, he's a beast right now. Yeah, we were – he really, really, really hit that one and made the Jets look even more stupid. Yeah, I mean, people don't real people don't realize this, but like the Giants have, dare I say, a top ten defense in the league. Like they might be top seven. Like Honestly, they have a I, good that, defense. That's a fair argument with the amount of Pro Bowl worthy players um, holding mostly down the field. I mean, we did win on a fumble recovery uh, last week, so uh, yeah. um, I think you make a good point with that. But uh, well, yep. 
but uh, back to your point with Gettleman, um, I he's definitely earned some slack on on my end. Um, yes, very. When much. he traded Odell, I was ready to you know get him out of town. Um, really, I was more happy. I hated that, that. because we just yeah. weren't winning, and he feel and I. I was happy when Odell was traded because one, Odell didn't seem like he wanted didn't want to be here after we signed re-signed him for that big extension, just talking shit right away. Mm-hmm. And I just think the dynamic wasn't wasn't worth it. Kind of like yep. Jamal Adams going moving to Seattle. That's the only reason why, but I can definitely see why it would be upsetting too. But I can hey, see that. so far, it's honestly looking like it was the right thing at the moment. I think we've won that, believe it or not. With, and then there's another I, to get I love, thing. I love Peppers. I think Peppers, oh, is, yeah. he's been the heart and Girl soul Peppers of the defense this year. Um, plays his heart out, super athletic, like always going 110%. And he really, yeah, he, again, part of that Odell trade was pretty legit yeah. and we got um pr- i forget the the picks that we got and who we spent them on but we we got pretty good draft picks out of that too yeah. i think on defense um one of them might have been leonard i think he was the uh one of the pensatory picks with that he he might have been one of the guys we took i could be wrong um but yeah and you got to think i know jones hasn't been you know box office must watch football out of him, but I think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. If if you protect him and he gets these turnovers under control, which he has in the past few weeks, I think he's a very good quarterback. Um, if they develop this offense and the offensive line has played better, yes. But if you really protect him, like he's become one of the best running quarterbacks in the league. His and it's a league. league with Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. And his apparently legs are legit. he's faster than all of them. Yeah. Which Let's is insane. go with that. I mean, trust me, I was a uh, jaw-dropping. I remember where I was when Daniel Jones was drafted. And, well, and I was a, very much a very a critic of him, but he really has turned my eyes, especially these last few weeks. I agree. And, again, just that turnover problem. He didn't have it the first two weeks. I know we turned over the ball last week, but he, uh, as long as he can uh, get better with that, then we're going somewhere. I agree. And I think, too, like, people forget he hasn't even played 20 games yet in his career. Yeah, not like, even. He, I don't even think, because he, he, he started maybe 10 games his rookie year. So maybe he's over 20 yeah, now. He, but like he went in, I remember like maybe four last year was his, he came in yeah, and got right. hurt, if you remember, towards the end of the year, they had Eli go with these last, those last few games. Right. And then, yeah, like you said, he's just about 20 games in. So, so like, like I, I, people are writing him off because of the turnovers already. I like re- relax. <laughs> he's still a very good young quarterback. Right. Um, like he has some of these throws that he has downfield are just have so much touch on them that they're just pinpoint dropping them into buckets. Like just very impressive with with his with his accuracy in a lot of ways. It's just the decision making a lot of the times gets him in trouble or the fumbles. Sure. But um, but yeah, I think he's actually Daniel Jones. Believe it or not, is the highest rated passer on throws above ten yards or more in the league. I believe it or not. Shot that, and I'm showing to my troll fans out here. Seriously, <laughs> and Daniel Jones, we trust. And how about Wayne Gallman? What he's been doing, man? Like, he's been awesome. 
he's pretty legit. Now I heard some stupid takes of Trey Saquon. No, definitely not. But um, honestly, man, he really yeah. revitalized his career. He was here before Saquon came in and he took the job from him. And well, I I really respect what he's been doing, getting solid yards. I have him on my fantasy team, and he's got some fa- solid fantasy points for what's that for what's that yeah. worth. Um, he's Wink been in the end zone every single game since yeah. he really took over. Exactly. So Wink Gallman has been a the special rub in this whole thing, you know. Yeah, and especially too, like Gallman, for some reason he was like the third string to start the year. Yeah. Like he like. Uh, I and I was surprised by that. I was like, "Oh, like the all right, Saquon's out for this play. They're going to run it." Or when Saquon got hurt, they brought Devontae well, Freeman got, in, and he got hurt too. And yeah, so so he was like really down on the depth chart, and I was like, "That's kind of surprising." He's still young. He was you know shown like he was pretty good. Like something must have gone on with like he either like didn't show up to camp in shape or who knows. But um, hey, he's out I'm here glad now. to see him out there, and he's performing well and. Yeah, he's been he's been really good for them. Great stuff ahead. Great stuff ahead. So, Thomas, talking a lot of sports stuff. Let me ask you, um, just a few leads. What um what are the things you're really into besides the great thing of sports? Um, some of my other interests. Uh I've always been a big history buff guy. Um I like, you know, mm-hmm. like documentaries, like reading about history, stuff like that. You like Ken Burns uh, documentaries? Ken Burns is great, yep. Oh man, what's your favorite Ken Burns documentary? Um obviously the baseball history documentary is amazing. I just did. got started watching that this year. Well, not this year, this week. I've been getting into it. It's so really cool. good. The the footage they get out of it, it just it's blows so cool. my mind. My favorite um, Oh, sorry, you were saying? No, go ahead. Probably my favorite Ken Burns doc is the Vietnam War one that came out yeah, a few years ago. that's a great that, one. That was so deep. That's really open eyes. And I think anybody who could watch would be really – they would be very informed to entertain what, what a troubling and trial time that was. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Civil War is great. The, the, War. the World War II one's also good. Yeah, I, I, he's he's a master at his craft with what he does. He just puts Very together best. amazing, amazing productions. Um, yeah, you really can't go wrong with Ken Burns. You know what's crazy about Ken Burns documentaries? They're so long each episode, but it's just so good. You really don't mind the time. That's yeah. a rare time. Like, no, for sure. Hours for these episodes, it could. He's like, he's like the Chappelle of documentaries you know like like Chappelle go on these long spiels about something and it's like a lot of times Chappelle is not even making a joke he's trying to make a point yeah isn't that amazing he just he just keeps you engaged you know he has that factor that quality where it just keeps you locked in even though you're not you know he's not buzzing jokes every two seconds you know and then he hits you with the punchline and it's hilarious. So he just, and I think Ken Burns has a similar quality where it just keeps you in there, especially in a day and age where like attention spans are at an all time low. And, Tell me about it. You know, instant gratification. So I, I think it's just a product of just being great at what you do and being an amazing storyteller. Amen to that. Yo, you, so you mentioned Chappelle. You're a comedy fan, right? 
Oh, love it. Yeah. Probably. And Chappelle is probably my favorite. Chappelle's your favorite one. I have that. He's in, um, so have you noticed I've ramped up this place to make it a little studio. I have Chappelle right here. Oh, okay. I mean, it's hard to see, but there you go. <laughs> he is no, there right. for one. Cool. Um, but yeah, dude, I really like Eddie yeah. Murphy stand up. Murphy's great. Huge um, Eddie Murphy stand up. I, I love, love Bill Burr. Oh yeah, Bill Burr is the Bill man. Bill Burr's hilarious. Um, awesome and podcast too. A guy that I feel like doesn't get enough love, but is very good, and he's awesome with like roasting the crowd. If you look up his YouTube videos of him, uh, you know, interacting with with people in the crowd and, and improving. Andrew oh. Schultz. Andrew Schultz. Yeah, he's really been uh, making a name for himself, especially he's in the internet. awesome. Yeah, and and yeah, he's killing the game on YouTube with yeah. With his, podcast on there i think he's hilarious um absolutely how, yeah. do you, how do you feel about winnie cummings winnie Cummings. i haven't seen much of her stuff uh i do like it though i think she's funny oh she's great and another one awesome is uh annie letterman watch out for her i don't know if you heard of her i haven't heard of her I have to look she her is just She's just someone you want to hang out with and like be friends. And she's just so great with her comedy. Um, yeah. You like Joey Diaz? Uh, Joey Diaz is good. Yep. Oh, He's man. hilarious. And uh, uh, Segura, Tom, Tom Segura oh, and Kurt yeah. Kreischer. Yeah, they're, they're I love hilarious. Kurt Kreischer. You know, Bill Burr and Kurt Burr Kreischer do a podcast together. Yeah. They're really great. Yep. He had. Um, he had this one one guy who did the podcast that's been getting really popular. It's about um, the NBA refs and the uh, cheating scandal. I don't know if you heard of it. It's been on the rise. Um, I haven't. And they had that guy. I'm sure you know the the NBA, Tim Donahue. Yep. Um, then they found all this new information that I was curious if the NBA was going to apologize for. Basically, the guy was saying that since the Jordan era, NBA refs were told to ref it a certain way. So uh, Interesting. It's pretty crazy what they have there. Uh, is there any stand-ups that you might not understand? Like, I don't get why so many people um, like him or her. Like Amy Schumer. And most of the people I don't like it's because yeah. they're joke stealers. And I've seen her. There's there's a very cringeworthy video of showing the joke she stole. Dane Cook, oh, really? The joke stealer. Yeah, it's I it's did not bad. know that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, a fan of Schumer. Uh, no, no, I did not like her. She's not too movie. particular funny. Yeah. No, yeah. At the end of the day, she's but, not funny. Oh, uh, other comedians though that I do have to show some love to because they're I think they're hilarious. Of course. Um, John Mulaney. Oh hell yeah! And, and Nick king. Kroll. I, they're they're hilarious. And uh, big. Have you seen Big Mouth? I've seen two episodes and I On really love the two episodes I saw. I want to get into I, those again. They're so funny. They're so inappropriate, but at the same time, like the show is genius. Cause it, I, I don't know if they like talk to middle schoolers and be like, what are you thinking? But they absolutely nail what like middle schoolers are thinking about and what they go through. So it, in a weird way, it's like, it's kind of an educational film because it's like, it oh, like, yeah. opens you up to the mind of a, of like a 13 year old and what they're going through with all the hormones and all that stuff. It's also pretty so honest. I think it's great. You no, know, like, Oh, it's so honest and, and genuine. And like, obviously like the stuff on there is just so inappropriate, but like, I think it's like worthy of, I mean, you can't show it in a health class, but I think like <laughs> based on like the educational stuff you can get out of it on your own time, 
I think you'd get more out of that than like a health class. <laughs> kind of the whole show kind of takes you through yeah. all that stuff. I think it's very honest and a great portrayal of that. So I do, would not oppose. You know, another good stand-up I like, I like Pete Holmes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's good. I love his podcast too, especially. You know, one stand-up, this is going to be a tough take because I know he's an asshole and he's had some controversy. But his stand-up is hilarious. But... I debate all the time, should I really be watching and listening to it? But TJ Miller, you know who I don't know who that is. I might, I probably know what he looks like. Huge dreadheaded ginger. And he just, he's just viable. He's just been accused of some bad things. So it's always been on the fence with what do I I do or not? How do you feel, Thomas, about, you know, canceled? canceled uh celebrities and stuff like here's here's how i look at cancel culture i think you should be canceled if you committed a crime if you did a criminal act yes it can you should you uh are the right to be canceled but if someone says something controversial obviously depending on what they said there's there's um you know, your leeway and you figure out what to do. But how do you feel about cancel culture in general? Because I've always, there's so many great actors I like and I've always wondered, do I watch these movies or not? But how do you feel? Yeah, I think that the fact that we are, as a society, more conscious of things and we're making an effort to be like, that's not okay, Yeah, is good. But I think cancel culture goes too far a lot of the times for sure where it's creating or it has created hypersensitivity to things where people are like, well, what can you say? What can't you say? And it gets to the point where I think people are just like pointing the fingers, you're canceled. That's it. And there's no dialogue and with it, there's no like, well, educate me. Like, why am right. what am I saying? Why does that offend you? Because, like, I mean, most of the time, people probably, when they say things, they realize it. Like, if somebody says something racist, they know it's wrong. Of course. But I think there needs to be a dialogue. Well, it's like, well, why are you saying that thing? You know, there needs to be like context to a lot of things. Um, because. If you think about it, like a lot of the cancel culture stuff, it's very hypocritical to our freedom of speech. For sure. And stuff. And so like, you, you get that dilemma. Yeah, I think a lot of people like to cancel people they don't personally know or would say their right. face. Right. Again, like I said, if you commit a crime or you do say something heinous, yeah, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. You need to take a break from them or don't listen to them anymore. But there are some people who are worth having a conversation of why that's wrong, why that's right. Yep. And no one really gives that time to to have that person. And it's really right. like the only time I've heard of someone like really trying it. And this person is not really that famous as a whole. It's just there's yeah. this YouTuber I love named Adam Blompiate. And he got and he got um I this is weird. I, I understand why he got canceled. He left his YouTube show. It was just pretty much he would just, you know, when you when you're somebody. Uh, all right, let me let me say this right. Okay, uh, yeah, so take pretty much he he was able to uh, get a lot of naughty photos from females. Okay, pretty much that's 
what he did, but he was do he only did it just out of his clout, so pretty much, which is wrong. And of course, you know, if you, if he's basically what he did was he tried to get he basically we I'm a famous person. I'll get this girl to like me. I'll get her to um pretend she like it's pretty much what an asshole guy does i'll pretend to get she likes me and then you know i will um bounce when i get what i want which is wrong of yeah. course yeah. it's not fair it's manipulative but um, i mean that that happens all the time with people who aren't celebrities exactly so that's what's what's just tough about guys do that all the time so, so, so yeah so i was just making sure i say that the right way because what it was it wasn't no, right, right. should have been more honest but um you know, he does something that sadly a lot of guys do. And, uh, right. but basically and that, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that it's right. But, and I was going to bring up this point as well, that there's no law of the land with cancel culture. So yeah. I kind of view it as, and you brought up like jail. Like if you go, if you commit a crime, then you should be canceled. Right. Yeah. Um, which, but that kind of does, that is kind of hypocritical to what we said about Carton because he did commit a crime and did not get canceled. If you think we, about it. Right. He just got canceled after the fact. And then he came back from his unique thing. Right. And I, so I, guess the, I, I guess the only thing that cancels out, he actually went to prison and he's a ex convict in that. And that is yeah, really right. sad and tough, but so, he at least is making the most of changing himself. But I'm sorry, you're so, saying, no, it's okay. So there's there's like degrees to it, right? And it's like, how do we judge? Like, why does someone, why is their whole career ruined when they didn't do something half as bad as what this other person did? Right. Yet they're still on TV, you know, because it, it happens all the time. And there there's no way to, for absolute justice to be achieved. Um, so that's how I kind of view it. And I, I kind of view it in a way where I this thought was in my head that it we should think of it like our justice system in a way. So like, yeah, I, 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 funny you say that. Uh, I'd love to hear this point. Please elaborate on that. Yeah, and and forgive me because I'm probably going to be like thinking through it as I as I talk. So Trust it probably me. won't be. Don't worry, we have plenty of but, time. <laughs> <laughs> so the thought that I had was. Um, stemmed from what is considered like right and wrong. Yep. There's so many different contexts with different things. Is somebody to be canceled because they make a racist joke, but they're a comedian? Like that's what they do. They make jokes. Like why is it okay for somebody to make a joke on stage when not so it's like all these different there's right. so much to, to take into account they're like they're it, performing an act like like even comedian said like of course right. there's a fine line in this but should we cancel people who are doing an act and clearly are only doing this for joke purposes or because they said right should and, be canceled and so that's where the biggest thing to me is you need to not shoot people down right away even even the worst thing, I, I think, even if somebody says the most asinine, absurd, insulting thing, there needs to be a dialogue with stuff. Like there need, we need to talk, communications with everything, with racism that's going on, right. with politics, bipartisanship. You need to talk with, with opposing views. And we as a society need to get better with speaking and talking to 
people who don't agree with our points of view because you don't make any progress without that. So back to, to cancel culture, the cancel culture itself doesn't allow for that to happen. So I view it like the, the justice system where the justice system will put people away for minor um, minor crimes as much as just having a personal amount of marijuana on you right. and your life is your life is ruined you're thrown in jail for how many years some people even end up in uh, like federal prison for like stupid, stupid shit. And that's and, something that's legal now in so many states are and, and are now turning into essential businesses too. Right. So, so, and my, my point was, and this is a big roundabout way of going about it, but my point was, um, and, and the example is probably better if you talked about like drug addicts, right? So yeah. throwing a drug addict in jail does nothing for that person, for society, for anything. They're saying you're keeping them out of society and protecting society. Okay, but you're spending so much taxpayer dollars on that to keep that person in jail. And you're not rehabilitating a person that has a problem. You're not helping their addiction. Exactly. So this is how I'm getting back to cancel culture with the discussion that needs to, be, needs to happen. The discussion is the rehabilitation mm -hmm. part. Canceling them is jail. Right. So, I like that. I, actually, that's really great. The discussion so, is rehabilitation. So I think that needs to happen. Cancel is jail. And, that's that's and, the quote of the year, honestly. <laughs> Thanks. So, so, and rehabilitation doesn't always work. Some people don't want to change their ways. Some people will always have that. Um, will always go back to their drug addiction. Some people will always be racist, you know, but you can, there's always the people that will change. And you always, at the very least, you always learn something about the other side. You having a convo with somebody who's doesn't have points of view that agree with yours. Well, you still learn something and you could still potentially learn why they think that way. You know what I mean? So I like, it's definitely a difficult, it's definitely a difficult pill to swallow, but it's essential for, for our society to do, especially if we want to see progress because, yeah. because we're going in a direction that's not very good with, in those terms, we're becoming more polarized than ever. And, and without these conversations, you can't have progress. And, and if you, you don't have progress, it's going to end up going very badly. You're right. And having that honest conversation is what needs to do when we talk about communication is key. And when we um, emphasize why this is bad, if you just keep pushing people away, you keep canceling, then we're not, we're just circling around and we're going to have overcrowded prisons, like, and we're going to have overcrowded cancelness. And um, like my, my point and, with that. And, and people get scared. Yeah. So talk, you talk about it like, for people just starting off in comedy, you're like, well, what can I say? What am I allowed to say? And, yeah. and that infringes on their art. And it's like, well, what is okay? What isn't? 
that plays into their mental factor and that could potentially you know for comedians coming up could potentially dissuade people who might have been a great comedian and they don't do it or they they get canceled early in the, in their career because they said something that they shouldn't have said but they didn't know because right. they were inexperienced and it, it, it's it is a fair, it's a fair thing to be to worry about and how people feel and we we see certain we see certain comedians who are grandfathered in from getting canceled because that's what their whole career was based off of and maybe now they've changed but it's so easy now with so many cynical people, I think, so many very who are so cynical to people getting big. So how easy it is, how easier it is to get famous and people are getting in. So they just try to figure out any way to bring them down. And that's just a shame. And I wish I could say we could change audiences to look at things to not be offended so easily. But at, the, at this time, we really can and we have to work around it. Obviously, the great comedians will still figure out how to be funny without right. being offensive. But honestly, you shouldn't do that. You want, you should be your own individual person, you know? And that's why, you know, back to the Adam Blapier thing, which obviously was wrong. It was not right. I don't endorse it. And I don't like it when any guys um, are that way to girls. But um, the thing he did though, he actually left YouTube for two years, got rehabilitated himself, learned the importance Mm -hmm. of image and not manipulating. um, Yeah. Uh, people like that girls or anyone in general and now he has a second chance with this and he's trying to grow back his audience and that's what I think is cool Um, and in one sense that he was able to overcome the cancel culture even though he did something we can argue debate did he deserve to get canceled or not I mean but did at the end of the day he should have been told he was wrong and Mm -hmm. uh, fix himself for it and he seems to be one of the rare cases that actually did that so I just have nothing but support for him and um it just shows the importance of not manipulating anybody and um you know doing the right thing from here on out so i think you're very loud and clear saying we need to more rehabilitate than just throw people in jail and yeah. cancel culture jail just the way it is it's just dangerous the way it's set up right now um or the way that it it goes about and it it doesn't allow that second chance or for people mm-hmm. to to prove themselves that they're a better person, which is like, don't we want that? Don't we want people who are yeah. misled to improve on that and work? Like we're all working on ourselves all the time to be a better person. But like with cancel culture, you're basically saying, nope, you're a bad person forever. Yeah, no, people change. Which is, which, which is terrible. Yeah, which is it, terrible. It's just something you just don't, you, you don't want. Like... <laughs> Like if you ask someone, someone, if you cancel someone and they're basically with the way cancel culture goes, it's set up. This person is bad for the rest of his life. Do, do you want that? Like, no. Don't you don't you want the person to have a chance to better themselves? Or you or you, cancel culture is basically saying they're okay with somebody being terrible for the rest of their lives. Yeah, but don't you want them to change for the better? Right. Right. You want them like, to evolve and show that right. it's okay to learn from your mistakes. Basically, you're, by cancel culture is basically saying we have to be perfect 100% of the time and we're not. We're all human. No one is. Yeah. No one is ever perfect all the time. So nope. why are we why are we, why are we holding Except Patrick people Mahomes. The most <laughs> He's very close though. Right. Okay, you were so saying like, So so why are we holding these people to such a high standard just because that they're famous or like they have a hundred thousand followers 
It's just insane. They're human at the end of the day. Everybody's done something that they wouldn't want the public to see. (laughs) Definitely. And like, that's okay. It's, it's a, it's being human. And just the most important thing is you actually genuinely learn from it and don't repeat the mistakes and you help. Exactly. With the story, make people think twice about doing something dumb, you know? Exactly. Yep. We got completely agree. We've got good times ahead in that sense. We're always learning, Thomas. We're always learning. Oh, hey, random question. You like ice cream? Love ice cream. What's your favorite ice cream, Thomas? Uh, probably chocolate chip cookie dough. True chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. Where are you getting this chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream? Um, my favorite chocolate chip ice cream, chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream is probably on the on Cape Cod. In Cape Cod, a good good quote. Yeah, answer. and always always with a with a waffle cone. Oh, a really what? good waffle cone, like homemade waffle cone. It's amazing. My favorite ice cream, and it's really hard to find it because not every ice cream place has it. So I like vanilla ice cream, but with peanut butter sauce. Sometimes I could get it from Baskin Robbins, but I don't like all the extra yep. stuff they throw on with those layered sundays. Make me yeah, feel man. like crap. But fuck it, it was good at the time. Um, you ever been to Milkcraft? I have. I do not like it at all. Really? Now that's a hot it, take. Please be I, honest, you, Thomas. You want a hot take? Yes. I think Milkcraft is so overrated. <laughs> You're the very first I, person I'll, I've I, ever heard someone say that, but I want to hear more about it. I'll give you a good story too. So I've went to Milkcraft once. Okay. I've had it. It wasn't anything special. I had the, the blue. Yeah, that's whatever my, one that I is. I love that. <laughs> With the graham crackers in there. And and to each their own. If you love it, great. I I just thought it was overrated for the price. It was super pricey. I can tell you. I, could I think a, a large amount it. of the hype from it is because people want to take a picture of it and put it on their Instagram. <laughs> I didn't think Look at it, the ice cream. The ice cream was fine. It wasn't anything spectacular. I don't think it was worth the like ten dollars mm-hmm. for the cone that I had. Also, the cone and. Like I said, I love waffle cones. It, yeah. The bubble cone or whatever True they waffle. <laughs> trash. Trash. <laughs> I like I just it got soggy by the time Ooh. I was like gonna bite into it and it was just like kinda gross. But of all this, right? hmm This neck because of the blue dye, and I don't know if this happened to you, but for like a week straight, Uh-oh. my shit was blue. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> and, and sorry, a little graphic for the pod, but no, be like, honest, I, man. Be honest. Look down, and I'm like, oh That's my god, blue it looked stockings, like huh? it looked it looked like Cookie Monster logs, came out huh? of my butt. Blue, blue, some blue logs, huh? It was crazy. <laughs> it was insane. And um, like the friends I I went with too, who got the same one. I asked them like like did this happen to you too and they're like yeah that happens to me so weird so it's like all the dye in the in the ice cream and it came out like oh my god <laughs> well you know i i don't remember to be honest i haven't had it <laughs> in a while well i mean um i don't know well i wonder so what that, the doctor that, that's would my say to that no <laughs> crap i just love it man i just I, you know what one thing when I went to Los Angeles last year to visit, I had this like blue ice cream too. It wasn't a milk craft. It was just this thing on Venice beach. And I can't tell you the name, but it was my absolute favorite. It was actually better than the milk crafts version of it. Really? And 
I don't, I don't remember defecating to the blueness on that. Maybe I did, <laughs> but uh, I'll be on the lookout. I'll tell you that. I'll, I'll pay attention for the next time. With, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What other desserts you really, really into? I mean, you're an Italian. Desserts love are Italian things, so I love, love a great Italian cannoli. Cannolis. I'm a, I'm a cannoli fiend. Easily. Dude, cannoli cakes are my favorite cakes in the world. Yeah. My absolute favorite. Good. Never get it when I ask, have a cannoli cake for my birthday, but hey, <laughs> next time. Really good. It's always next time. I love getting cannoli dips and uh, yes, and the uh, cookie thing. My goodness. Really good. Zeppelis are good. Chavoyadel. Yeah, I take tres leche cake, even though that's Latino, but still. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, can't go wrong with Italian pastries in my book. So good. What is the, uh, well, I was going to say, what was the worst ice cream place? Is Milkcraft on that list or is it just overrated? Milkcraft's up there. Um, I don't know. I can't really think of, of, really bad places really bad it's ice kind of hard places. to mess up ice cream it is um so i think i might put milkcraft as the worst <laughs> just because of how expensive it was if it wasn't super expensive it wouldn't be as bad in my book mm-hmm. but because i was paying like a premium for it i didn't get it i i it just wasn't for me what's like the worst restaurant you've ever been to in your life oh god um <laughs> That's hard. I got to really think. Mine is, uh, I, I once went to a, uh, food stand and, um, I went to a 99 cent pizza food stand in New York and I was so sick. I must've lost three pounds Oh man, this was just leaving bodies, leaving my body in ways I didn't even know could. Like food poisoning? Very bad food poisoning. Yeah. People love 99 cent ice pieces, and I think you're crazy. Yeah, that'll do it for you. I would rather have a Lunchable than that. (laughs) Not saying something. Trust me. That is. Oh, that is. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a really bad experience. I'm sure I've had bad experiences with like the waiters or them getting my food wrong or the hmm. food just really bad. But I can't really remember a specific one, but I've definitely had those experiences. How about the best restaurants? What are some of your favorite? Best restaurants. Um, definitely. So I'd probably have to say Goodfellas restaurant in New Haven. It's literally called Goodfellas. It's literally called Goodfellas. It's, I love this place. So it's like very upscale Italian restaurant. Um, But it's great because it's, and I don't know how, because they have a big place that it's not usually packed. It depends on what time you go. Right. So it's nice. Like you can kind of just eat on your own. They also have a rooftop where you could eat, which is very nice in the warmer weather months. Mm -hmm. Um, But inside, if you sit inside, they have TVs around and it's very classy, but the, still even with the tvs and they're playing like goodfellas or that's hilarious the godfather (laughs) they'll they'll play all those movies and so like i like that and the food is amazing some of the best chicken parm i've ever had uh chicken alfredo is amazing and they give you a lot of complimentary stuff so they'll give you like complimentary uh bruschette to start um salad 
and the salad's very good. Complimentary uh, salad is a great thing. You've even gotten complimentary champagne at the end. <laughs> wow, you, you, uh, you, you're really intriguing me. It's called Goodfellas. Is it affordable? Good, good, Goodfellas. Um, or should I save it for a, special occasions? It's definitely up there in price. It's not. It's mm-hmm. not a cheap date, but um, I think it's well worth it. And usually, when I w- would go with uh, with my girlfriend, it would usually be for like special occasions. Okay, I'll usually. just make special occasions because it's Wednesday. Because of the way you're. Selling. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, right now with with everything going on, like treat yourself. They do DoorDash. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I. That's a good question. I don't know if they're open or not. Oh, um, I hope it is, man. Hopefully I hope so too. I hope they haven't been hit too hard with, with everything. You want to know a random, I had this right before I went on with you. My parents today got a, I did not expect this place to be good in Norwalk and it was really good. It's a new pizza place called Leonardo's. It's actually right by you. It's in the rainbow plaza, you know, right between Dunkin' Donuts. Oh and yeah. Dog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It used to be a Papa John's. So I drive by, it's like, Oh, someone got a knock off Papa John's and my parents, I had went to the eye doctor today and they got it for us after. And it was great, man. It was really, really great. Good. That, that's good I was to surprised. Know. Yeah. We've been, we usually do planet pizza, which I, I've kind of, I get sick of after a while. Like the pizza's okay. Like the pizza's yeah. fine. Their wings are um, good. Yeah, I do like their wings. Um, so I just kind of get tired of, of, of their pizza. Are you a, a toppings? To, oh, sorry, you're saying? I, no, no, it's okay. Um, I, yeah, I do like toppings. I'll go like sausage, meatball. No, I'm um, Dave Portnoy. I'm very simple in my pizza slices. Yeah, I, I, I want to play. Maybe I'll get bacon, but that's it. I don't go too crazy. If I get a topping, it's like one topping max. And I'm more than fine with just cheese. I hear that. How do you feel about colony pizza? I like colony pizza. Hell yeah. My my family split on it. My parents mm-hmm. and, and Matt, my brother, they they're not huge fans of mm-hmm. it. They think it's overrated, like bar pizza. Hey, I think what? it has its place. I don't put it up there with like Pepe's and Sally's mm-hmm. in New Haven and like the the top pizza, but I think it's definitely good. Has uh Portnoy review colony? I think so. Yeah, he actually gave a pretty high price if I remember. Did he? Okay, because I don't even remember. Like a nine point two, honestly. Oh, did he? I remember it was like really high, like higher than normal. Yeah. No, his his ratings are legit because he he rates New Haven pizzas the best. Yeah, it really is. Like it really is. Please go. It'll tell me the New Haven pizza hype is worth the hype. I've only had Pepe's, which was really great. Okay, so I need to have the other one. Please, please go. Please, please hook me up. So New Haven pizza, and I'm a big New York guy. Right. My family's from New York. I was born in New York. New York sports teams like we Same talked here. about. Same here. Full New York guy. Love it. New Haven pizza is the best pizza. It's better than New York It's a pizza. bold statement. It is. It is a bold statement. And why um, is that? But it's absolutely true. So um, if I had to give you the, the – so you've had Pepe's, right? Just Pepe's, yep. You just had Pepe's. Sally's, in my opinion, just as good, maybe better than. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Very good. Um. Also, a place in uh, New Haven, Delegna. Delegna, which is not many people, not many people know about it. I think they just moved locations to a bigger place, which is awesome. Good. Not many people know about it. 
it doesn't get as much traffic as the other places because it's not as well known, which is great because the other places will have a wait. And if you don't want to wait, just go to Delagna. And I think the pizza is phenomenal. All right. They have, and they have different kinds. Like they have a pizza called the patate, patate. which is like mashed potatoes <laughs> with, I think it has some spinach, On pizza? corn, corn, and some other stuff. It's amazing. Oh, and bacon. Boy, that sounds like really good. good. <laughs> they have a very good margarita, which I'm a big fan of. Of course. Um, and they have a few other pizzas that I can't remember exactly what, what is on them, but very good. And so, like, you know, I, I went to school at Southern, right, in New Haven. If we w- went out for pizza and we went to Pepe's or Sally's first and the line was, like, out the door, mm-hmm. we would just go to Delegna. And we'd have it, and we'd be seated in ten minutes and get our pizza. And Everyone's winning. That. Um, but I, I, I would say that Pepe's and Sally's, it is worth the wait if you are waiting for it. Um, and then there's modern pizza, which you've probably heard of. Yes, I have heard of it. Um, it's a, it's like the big three with Sally's and, and Pepe's. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it, though. No? And maybe it maybe another hot take for the the podcast, but <laughs> the pizza that I had there was just like kind of your typical American pie, like your American pizza, cheese pizza. Right. Um, and they actually have an option, which this is sh- no pizza parlor restaurant should ever have this option that you could get American cheese. Literally American cheese, like Kraft Singles. That's gross. As the cheese on your pizza. Ugh, come on, man. That's offensive. And by accident one time, I <laughs> ordered that because it said, uh, it, said like, it said like American cheese. So I thought it was just like your typical cheese pizza that you get. You like so, American style instead oof. of like the margarita, like Italian style that way. I, maybe I was stupid, but whatever. But I just thought that no restaurant like worth its salt would have that as an option. I couldn't even finish the the pie. I think I had one slice and I didn't even take it home. Did you it say was disgusting? You guys suck. I did it. Olive but Garden. but like when people put modern like above Sally's and Pepe's, I I just automatically discredit their pizza opinion because it's it's. Everyone has an opinion, and no opinion is is right or wrong, per se. But that's wrong. <laughs> but that is a wrong. Thing. <laughs> but that is. I wrong. will judge you for your modern pizza venom. Yeah, like everyone's yeah. entitled to their opinions, but like that's wrong. Jeez. And I'll take that back. There are opinions that are just wrong. <laughs> yeah, like anyone who thinks the Red Sox are awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but man, Thomas, we've been at it for two hours. Before we uh, wrap yeah, wow. it up, seriously, I hope you've been having fun. I've been having a really great time with this. Seriously. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good talk for sure. And, and I hope you want to do it again because I would love to have you on again. Absolutely. Yeah. Winning on that one. Blast. Sweet. So I like to end my podcast with this thing called the Prowse Questionnaire. And I'd love to hear your um, takes on these questions. So pretty much these are rapid yeah. fire questions, but they're kind of deep, but a good deep. So um, okay. uh, I'm ready to do it when you are. Ready. Let's do All it. All right. My first question is what's your favorite word, Thomas? Favorite word. Oh my God. 
Uh, I know you said rapid fire, so I'll try to be quick. Favorite well, I mean, you word. can. You, I mean, you know, they're just short questions. You could take as long as you want. But, all right, um, all right, all right. You don't have to go crazy, but um, they're just they're like deep questions. They're just short but deep questions is a better way to phrase it. You know, favorite word. Um, damn, that's really hard. I definitely have them, but it's just hard to think about. Um. I really like the word, and I'll go with this one. It's probably not my top one, but it's just the one that I can think of right now. And it's kind of fitting with like what I'm doing with like sports cards and stuff. But I like the word arbitrage a lot. Arbitrage. I think it's fun to say. That is a it's fun kind of, word. It, it sounds sophisticated. Um, I like just, that. And it's kind of like hustle. It's like, it's like a fancy word for hustle. I like that arbitrage. Um, According to the dictionary.com, arbitrage is the stimulus is the the stimulant the well, the stimulus buying and selling of securities, currency, or commodities in different markets. Okay, that's the noun version. Um, yeah, I'm getting the economics uh, the versions of this. Yeah, but yeah I see it right like, here. It's pretty much uh, yeah. another word for um, hard work and um, buying and selling and making deals. Basically, yeah, like flipping, basically. It's basically a fancy word for flipping. <laughs> and, yeah, it says – I like. you know what I always like when you Google something, when people ask? These are the questions. People ask, yeah, yeah. what's an example of arbitrage? Is arbitrage illegal? What is an arbitrage <laughs> strategy? What is risk-free arbitrage? What is pure arbitrage? That's, I just always get a kick out of those. Um, That's funny. But arbitrage, your favorite word. What's your least favorite? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go with arbitrage. Least favorite – um, probably just like one of the words that's like overused by people. Amazing. Um, I admit sometimes I use that a little too much. Yeah, or like <clears throat> literally, literally like like basic. Basic could be one. That's probably yeah. I think I, I go with those. There's there's probably other ones that I'm like will trigger me a little bit more, but. I like that. Yeah, uh, good answer on that. What turns you yeah. on, Thomas? And this is a, not necessarily a sexual question, but it's more Gosh. of an enlightening <laughs> question. I remember the very first time I did this, this guy tells me, good. I really, I really like it when, um, when I had Chris Morawski on for, and Anthony Gracelli from the pit. Chris is like, oh, I'm sure they went ham with that one. <laughs> what did he say? He said, well, I really like it when a girl wears glasses. I'm like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> But that is hilarious answer. It's like that's, I guess that's like you said, uh, your own's on that. I'm I'm sure they had fun with that one. Yeah. You gotta uh, be careful with those two. Right, right. Oh man, <laughs> great, great company. But for, for sure. you, what turns you on in a more lightning sense? Like people say, like Hank being with family turns me on, or like being at a baseball game turns me on. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that's that's a good example. Yeah, like there's something about going to like a ballpark and a baseball yeah. game that I just love. It's like I, I think I honestly think going to a baseball game is my happy place. Um, yeah, especially just, the the early afternoon ones where you still have a full day. Yeah, oh, those are cool. yeah. Just like it feels like nothing else is matters at that point. Like I could really disconnect and just like enjoy the game, and it's it's just nice, and it brings back you know childhood memories and stuff. For like sure, that. isn't um. um so yeah, I guess I go with that. Isn't it funny 
we're going Yankee games. We're 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 young enough to genuinely have a genuine memory of the old Yankee Stadium before yeah. they they went. And um, I remember once your dad said this. You said this cool story when they actually knocked it down. Your dad was there. Um, yeah, I mean, your dad's been there. For, for a long time, then your grandpa for generations, your generations of your family, that same building. And he said yeah. goodbye. He actually literally touched it and said goodbye. I think that was a nice, nice, cool story. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a heartfelt, uh, moment. Yeah. My grandfather, like when we were like leaving one time, like touched the side of it and was mm-hmm. like, like he said like goodbye old friend and stuff like that. And that was like really, that was really touching. Um, I actually included that story in his eulogy because it was so it was so touching. It's but beautiful. Um, definitely, it was be kicking it with all those class Yankee legends up there. Right yeah, now, right? right. Chewing their ears off. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's there's actually another cool story about Yankee Stadium. So this was even after that story about my grandfather. Yeah, that we I think we went to. Uh, did we go to a Yankee game? I feel like we were at Yankee Stadium for some reason, but there wasn't a game. I don't know why, because there wasn't a ton of people. But they were. This was when they were like tearing down Yankee Stadium. Damn. And there was a section of the outfield that was open from the sidewalk. You could see into the stadium, and it looked like like Yankee Stadium and like the apocalypse. Oh. The seats were wow. torn out. The field was gone. Damn. It just looked like deserted. But the like the construction crews were going in and out. And we just asked, like, if we could go in and just see. So we actually walked through, and we went to like no down way. to the field where the field would have been, and we just like looked around like one last time, and it was really cool. And like, I, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure, but we might have been like some of the last fans to actually like see Yankee Stadium, like before that. it was completely demolished. So that that was a cool, cool moment. That's a beautiful story, man. Wow. And like, you know, now that Yankees holding Yankee Stadium has been gone for 12 years, I think it's crazy to look how different it actually looks to new Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Maybe this is just me, but um uh like like I just it, it just looks so different. I mean, really, it's it, it's modern it up, but um mm-hmm. at the end of the day they had it to get it down. I mean, there were times where mm-hmm. there were people that the ceilings were falling close to fans. It, it was an old building. It had a date. I, th- uh, I think they, they did do a good job, though, with keeping the charm. I know some people don't really like the new stadium, but I think it still has the same. It has a feel to it, and you make same, it your own, you know? Feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I could see so. your, like what you saying, your grandpa's up there, like, yelling at Joe DiMaggio, like, why didn't you, why'd you let Mickey Mantle walk into that water pipe? <laughs> so. Exactly. <laughs> right right but um damn what a great place that it will forever be and one thing sure. i need to get there's two things i have to do left as a yankee fan i i want to be a season ticket holder that yep. i have to do that before i leave this earth and i really i don't care how much this exists how expensive this is and i will probably play i'm willing to pay ten thousand dollars for this but i really want to two old yankee stadium seats that's a that's a cool investment yeah like it's like something like midlife crisis i really want to put those in my home you mind if i just look up really quick how much one buys go ahead go ahead old yankee stadium seat my mom tells me the stories of my my grandfather again bringing them up Mm -hmm. um that he he was a legend there was somebody he was some store nearby was like selling old seats 
from the old Yankee Stadium. I think this was when they renovated in the 70s. Yeah. So, so these the were like the old, old, old seats, like like Mantle and, and DiMaggio era, yeah. like seats. So I think he went up passing and he just didn't, he didn't buy the, the seats, but like would have been really cool to have. Oh man, that's something else, you know. Yeah. So according to eBay right now, you could get an old Yankee Stadium seat for $700 on this one buyer. That's not awful. Yeah. That's not terrible. I mean, it's a lot of money, but for what you're buying, like I think that makes sense. Um, Pretty fair price. Yeah, and according to this, if you believe it, this is actually from pre the original stadium too, pre-renovation. So like I see there's a there's a mixture of both these the real old ones and then the um the real old ones and then the classic pre-renovation in the 70s. I yep. see. Yeah. Okay. 1700 for pre-renovated ones. 2000s. Yeah. Okay. So between 1000 and 2000 looks like what the ballpark you're getting it. Well, you know what? I don't care. One day I got to get those. Yeah. And luckily, hopefully they're still available by that time. But yeah, those still will be. There's always people trying to sell. Always, yeah. And fun fact, I don't know if you know this, but um, did you know – you know, Saturday Night Live. Did yeah. You know, the, did you know the seats in Saturday Night Live are the old Yankee Stadium bleachers? No way, really? Yeah, they've been there since this, since the, since the mid-70s, during the renovation. Lauren Michaels, wow. Lauren Michaels, personally, he's a big Yankee fan, personally asked them, hey, can we put this in our new, we're starting a new comedy show. Can we take these seats? They said, yeah, wow. sure. That's and it was cool. that simple. And they before, they before everyone knew SNL was a thing. And to this day, the old Yankee Stadium bleachers are still there. And That's amazing. You can watch them. So how about that? That's really cool. So the third question, the fourth question. Yeah, to continue. <laughs> <laughs> right. What turns you off? Okay. What turns me off? I say Twitter comments from me. Yeah. Like, and, and I'll probably go back to what I said before for like the cancel culture, but just not being willing to like hear someone others, someone else's opinion. Yeah. Close-minded people for sure. Close-minded people. Like I just don't, yeah, I just don't have time for close-minded people. Um, <laughs> Snaps to that one. Yeah. Oh, and you know what too? Also just people who are just Red Sox fans. <laughs> that's a great one uh, but no just people who like don't give people the time of day or just very like rude mean like yeah like that's that type of stuff obviously that's kind of like a pretty obvious question but no no but it's i don't I, I, I just don't feel like it takes that much to be nice no it doesn't people. man so no. so that that for sure turn me off nasty people just one last thing with um and that that related who do you let me ask you thomas i do not mm-hmm. think there would be a day that i would hate a team more than the red Sox, and i really think the rest of my life i will hate the astros that much i mean of course maybe here and there of course depending on the phase but the astros forever just i no there's never you'll never have me root for that franchise after this. yeah i mean even if they didn't do that to the yankees say like even if they didn't screw us over twice even if they screw some other team, I still probably hate them. I just cheaters. I can't. Yeah. So, I mean, do you hate the Astros as much, or will there be a special place in your sports hatred for the Astros? So, 
I don't know if I hate the Astros as more than the Red Sox. I, I, you That's know, what, I sure. probably, at this be. point, at this point, I probably do because the Red Sox aren't very good. <laughs> so I probably, I probably do hate the Astros more. There is a team though that I think I will always hate more than the Red Sox. Is it the Patriots? No, it is not. It, it is the right sport though. It is the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I think very I very much. Agree I think with you. My entire life, they've been so overrated. <laughs> yep. So, so I, I they always get hyped. Freaking so Tony I think Romo. I think that's why. And they're probably the biggest rival of the Giants outside of next to the Eagles. Maybe the Eagles. Yeah. So, I think I'll always hate the Dallas Cowboys more than the um, the Red Sox. And you know, kind of ironic because my my girlfriend's from Dallas. So, <laughs> is she is she a Cowboy fan? Um. Yeah. They they are. But her her brother and her dad are actually like Yankee fans because her dad grew up on Long Island. So, Oh, well, I like that sacrifice. Funny, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't really care much about football though. Hearing that. Um, what sound or noise do you love? Uh, a nothing but net three pointer. Great answer. I had someone else say that, and I totally agree. A perfect nothing but nice. Whoop. Uh What sound or noise do you hate? Good question. I don't really know. Um, the sound of the it. Red Sox fans cheering. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, Red Sox. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe like some uh, ASMR stuff, like that kind of is just like creepy and like weird. ASMR. Like just, what, like, what is that? You know the people who like whisper into the microphones and they like do like like that. Oh yeah, like that. Yep. They'll, they'll be like this and talking. To, like it, like it's just weird. Between that and people chewing, I hate. Yeah, people chewing. That's a, that's another yeah. one. So, what is your favorite curse word? Uh, probably motherfucker. <laughs> I think that that's a good great. One. I love that. You could replace that with everything. Literally. You could literally say that in, in every sentence. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? What profession other than my own would I like to attempt? Yeah. Like, do you want to be um, a low-key lawyer or a food eater, a uh, food I, 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 I mean, like that. And we, we talked about this at the beginning with like sports cards and stuff, but like I love business and stuff. So like having like side businesses or side hustles has always intrigued me. All right. Um, and maybe to even potentially one day doing it full time or something. You definitely have like, my support with that. To, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> to be like my own boss. I think that would be pretty, pretty awesome. So maybe like some entrepreneurial sense, something like that. Can't wait to see what you do with that. You know, be good. You should be the new host of Pawn Stars. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? Um, something I could never do. Probably like accounting. Accounting. Sorry for the all, all the accountants that are listening. Yeah, we respect but, um, you guys. And I have but, friends uh, who are accountants, but I don't. I I don't know if I could. Do it's not that. for you. Yeah. Yeah. My last question for tonight before we say goodbye, Thomas. Yes, sir. If heaven exists, 
what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, wow. Good stuff, Matt Brown. <laughs> um, that, um, good question. Thinking of it. That I made people or that I did things for people in my life and that I made them proud. What a great answer, I man. I think that's what I would, I would want to hear him say. How wholesome. Well, Thomas, we've gone through a lot. We've had an awesome two, about just about two hours and 15 minutes from a lot from sports cards to resetting in the pandemic, going viral, the giants, Ken Burns, um, approaching cancel culture, desserts, world, the pizza. We've done we a lot of all. great stuff, man. Seriously, Thomas, all. I'm a huge fan of you. Always have my respect. Always have my gratitude. And man, seriously, you were nothing but an awesome, awesome guest on here today. I enjoyed every second of it. And I hope you did too. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? No, uh, all, all of that right back at you. Thank you for having me. Um, really had a blast. It was fun. Uh, it was a pleasure, man. So, so appreciate you letting me come on here and chopping it up with you. Seriously, man. And if, is there anything else if you want? Is there anything to plug here or to show if you want to check out some of your stuff? or where we're going? Um, Not too much right now, but uh, in the near future, um, trying to get some things off the ground for like content wise for fantasy sports, sports cards, things in that nature. So if you're, right. if you're interested, you know, follow me on Instagram and Twitter is, and all that, which is your in, Instagram is, uh, Thomas underscore Duino. And then Twitter is at Tom, Arduino 24, I think. I don't even know. I should know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sweet. Well, um, if you want to make sure you got that spell check really quick. But yeah, like if Thomas, if you want to go on all these launches to promote here as we're growing our numbers, you're always welcome to join. And I would love to have you back. And then um, now we're able to soon do multiple people podcasts. So we could do this with someone else teaming up. So sounds good. And uh, I wish you luck in the future too, Matt. Man, it means a lot, Thomas. And I hope once this pandemic is done, we can hang out in person real quick and get a beer or something and uh, watch some games Absolutely. and uh, have some fun. But seriously, Thomas, nothing but love. Tell your family I said hello. Will and you, uh, you as like well. Appreciate it, Thomas. You are the man in every sense of the word. And man, just God bless you, bro. Seriously. You're a great man. Really great man. Thanks, man. Yeah, God bless you too. All and right. uh, happy holidays to you and the family. Yes, happy holidays with you and the fam to you and your family as well. And with that, I'll see you later, Thomas. And thank you so, so much. Later, bro. All right, peace. And there you have it, folks. Thomas Arduino, a real life prophet. Seriously. It was nothing but a great time talking to this great man. I just want to say, don't forget to listen to the Tweet Cap every Friday with me and my buddy Ryan Page as we discuss this week's trending topics in the news and in tw and on Twitter. Brandon St. Brown was the guest last week, and this week 
we will have a little fun in store. Be sure to check it out this Friday on all streaming platforms and all of the places to go to watch YouTube. Again, check out the tweet cap on YouTube and all podcasting platforms this Friday. Also, let's go Giants! I just want to say that it is such a great time to be a Giants fan. Woo! And also... I just wanted to say, be sure to tune in this Thursday, December 17th for the next episode of the Productive Conversations podcast. And why? That is because I have my buddy Johnny on the show, a.k.a. Online Lover. He's an aspiring actor, musician, content creator, and he's really, really good at what he does. First, I play one of his singles, newly released single, Cold to Touch, and it is... It slaps. It's really good. It's a banger. Shouts to Johnny for putting that song out. And you can find Cold to Touch on all streaming platforms, including Apple Music and Spotify. And we also go into Johnny's incredible journey. He's straight out of Camden, New Jersey, and now lives in Los Angeles pursuing his dreams. We talk about him auditioning for different projects in L.A., we talk about him overcoming overcoming tragedy to get to L.A. in the first place. We talk about his influences and a lot of other great things. So you do not want to miss that. So you can A, listen to his great single, Cold to Touch, and you can learn more about the incredible Johnny Cabrera. Seriously, he is freaking awesome. And be sure to check that out this Monday. And with that, I'd like to thank my guest, Stephen Casalunas, for coming on the show today. I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. And with that, to the greatest listeners in the world and the greatest fans who I appreciate and love every single day, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the beginning of your week. And with all of that, don't give up. Be yourself. Stay on top. My name is Matthew Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I will see you really, really soon. Peace. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.